Just had a dream. I interviewed my dad, brother, and sister with Mark Marin watching. Um, here I am. It's interesting to think about stuff. But you gotta just do stuff. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? Well, I've had thoughts lately. Howdy, Odontist. Hello. Welcome to another week of The Wandering Wolf. It's Wednesday. It's not Wednesday right now, but it's Wednesday when this is coming out. Not maybe when you're listening to it, maybe not. Welcome. I'm feeling a little better. I know last week I, I maybe I was a Debbie Downer, Debbie Donner. Uh, but this week, uh, I've been using my Verilux UV light that my mother got me a couple of winters ago. I think, I think it's, I think, I, I think I feel it. I think I feel a difference in my mentality. I think I feel a difference. I've also gotten back to doing the yoga, doing the working out. I tell you, I, I was at the gym the other day uh, and I felt like I could run forever. Do you know that feeling? Like, I mean, it was, I only did two miles, but I felt like I could have kept going. I didn't, because enough is enough, you know? But yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm back in business. Uh, we're finishing up a, our Golden Tickets project. We're, we're moving along, we're moving along. Look, I have something I want to bring to you right now, and that's that... Um, I'm going to ask you to donate some, some, some money to me, uh, for this podcast. You can, or you cannot, it's up to you. Uh, I'm not going to twist your arm unless I see you in person. And then I, I will probably twist your arm and slam your head against the hood of a car. Not my car, not my car. I'm not risking that beautiful, silky black finish, but, but, uh, uh maybe a different car that might be on the block. But it, no, seriously though, I, I, I uh, I, ha- I did get a few donations from people, not many at all, and I can I can name them on on three fingers, uh, and I'm going to Efren, Kyle, Ryan. I want I there's just a few good eggs right there. Uh, if all of you gave a dollar a week, I'd be sitting pretty, right? If half of you gave a dollar a week, I'd survive. If ten of you gave ten dollars a week, I would survive. But don't make, don't rely on those. Anyway, the bottom line is I, I, I work full-time doing music over full-time. And I do this podcast every week for you, which takes a good 10 hours uh, to edit and produce and record. I'm just saying, if you like it, just help me stay afloat here. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in no, non-touring months. That's, that's the thing. Our world right now is changing. Okay, no one's getting paid for their media because you can get everything for free. And I can't hate on that. That's fine. Like, I, I, I get shit for free, you know, but I also need to make a living. Once I'm back on the road, I'll be good. But but I, I can't live constantly on the road because then I, I can't create, which is really what I love doing. Get, help me float until the next time we go out touring. 
this just goes to simple living expenses of a simple man. Okay? Not me. I'm extravagant. But there's a simple guy that lives in my back room. I gotta, I gotta give him bread and water. Enough of that. Enough of that. Oh, I didn't even tell you where to donate. Uh, it's, you go to PayPal, the Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send me a message there and say hello. That's where you donate. Okay? The Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. PayPal. Let's move on into more interesting topics. Uh, namely, that I have my brother on this show. Finally. Finally. After all these, I thought he would be like my second guest. And things kept, you know, got protracted. Is that the term? They, they, they got dragged out. Things got dragged out. And, uh, you know, he, I think he was kind of avoiding it. I told him, well, yeah, let me know when you want to do it. And he never let me know. And I never, I never tried to pin him down. Uh, but finally, we have my brother Josiah on the show. And it's a great talk i think this might be my favorite yet maybe i mean i don't know i'm i'm i i'm i'm partial because it's my brother uh but you you decide for yourself it's a good talk it's a long talk it's over two hours so whatever get it take a break take an intermission uh do it in installments i don't know when you listen to the wander when do you listen to the wandering wolf let me know i'm curious is it like you're every time you go to the bathroom kind of thing? Do you listen at work when you're supposed to be doing other stuff? Are you at school on your iPod when you're supposed to be listening to a lecture? Do you listen while you're on a road trip? I don't know. Working out? I'm thinking of times when I listen to podcasts. I like to listen to podcasts while I cook, and I like to listen when I'm getting dressed or something like that, which takes a long time If when you look like me. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, th- th- it's this is a great talk, and and, and uh, I think you'll dig it. I don't want to waste too much more of your time here because it, it is it is a long talk. I wish I could take a a, a Snapchat for all of you uh, of the snow in my backyard, which is really deep, or patio, my back patio. This winter is not like the last two winters. The last two winters were mild, right? This is, they were like the mild sauce. This is like the hot sauce. It's cold. It's been zero a lot of days. And I'm not even, you know, I mean, we're in Cincinnati. You know, I'm sure you Chicago folks, you Minneapolis folks, fuck, you Berlin folks. Yeah, it, it's a cold year. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, fiending for spring. That's, that's, I'm fine. I'm fine. Let, let's get into this talk, because it is long. Uh, this is my brother. Josiah Wolf. This is it. Finally. Finally, we sit down Man. for the talk. In the hot seat. Oh. How does it feel? Finally. Uh, you know, I don't know. Very, very nervous. I've been listening you, to all the Wandering Wolf, Wolf episodes. And see, I said Wandering Wolf. You're, you're, that, that's a good play on it. We could make a t-shirt with a Wandering Wharf t-shirt and have Wharf from <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation. Uh-huh. I like His that. head. Yeah. On my body. body. And everybody, because everybody knows my body. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows his face. Yeah. Or actually, my face on his head. Why isn't Worf in more memes on, on uh, Facebook, I wonder? Because <laughs> he's played out, man. He was like, 
He was big in the 90s. I don't know. Anyway. I mean, you know, look, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. You were, I mean, you know, very early on, one of the first people I assumed I'd have on early on, and it just sure. hasn't happened yet. I mean, you've been on as a as a guest host, uh-huh. but never uh, never as the uh, as the guest. Yeah, you know, it went on long enough that I, I was hoping to keep pushing it. Keep pushing it. As long as possible. Until you had something really interesting yeah, to talk about. Yeah, but that, that's kind of how I live and it's not healthy I don't think. how do you mean by that oh just keep uh waiting uh delayed gratification is that is that the term yeah delayed gratification and delaying for perfection waiting for yeah, perfection yeah. somehow it's not quite ready i'll i'll show it when it's ready you know that kind of attitude uh-huh. i think i have a bit of that too but yeah i'm not as much nowadays maybe mm-hmm so, well, we've been talking a lot about scheduling and and working and how we work and mm-hmm. how we how we you know want to make music and all that. And yeah, do we start there or do, or do we start at the I beginning, like you do it? I mean, do you, would you like to go back to the beginning of your life? I mean, that's uh, that, I, I'm I'm down to do that's that. That's normally. I mean, know. I already know that stuff. So you it's, do know it's that stuff. Hard for me to know what to ask. But we don't talk about that stuff. No, we don't. That. We don't. I mean, sometimes we have. Yeah. But there's always a new angle to take on those things. Well, I mean, as far as music, we could talk about how you got into that. If that's, mm-hmm. if you, if that appeals to you. Well, I think. Well, why don't you just treat me like any other interview and just kind of? Well, you're not like any. I know, but even though you know, know things about me, yeah, you know, okay. But well, yeah, you, you, we don't have to talk about everything. I guess it was the drums, of course. Uh, for years and years, it was just the, all about the drums. Mm-hmm. When, when did, where did that interest come from? From dad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just good at it. That's how a lot of things begin for kids. You have a knack for something, and then you just keep doing it. Didn't he? I, I mean, in my memory, there was this one day that he took us both to the congregation, or maybe we were there, whatever, after school or something. And he taught us how to play just a, a four-four beat with you know quarter notes on the hi hat and and um, just the kick on the one and the snare on the two mm-hmm. eighth notes in the hi hat. Uh huh. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I I remember this totally. And it was uh, sing unto the Lord. There's some song. Happy day. Happy. I can't remember the song. I remember "Happy" was in the name, and actually, in my memory, when I when I think of the that song, mm-hmm. I see the Playmobil toy face <laughs> in my head. <laughs> but that's like some weird cross memory. Well, do you remember what song it was? I can't think of it. Um, it had a "Happy" in the title or "Joyful" in the title. Sing it to the Lord, joyful. Yeah, something like it that. Was, I think it was joyful, not happy. But that's right. Am I right? So he—that's yeah. the first time that we learned. Yeah, how it was to play with the beat. rim click. He taught us a rim click. Mm-hmm. Okay, instead of the snare, it had a rim click. And that was, was that. Like, right. It was like pretty slow. Right with the kick on the mm-hmm. one. And the... Yeah, that and, was, that was true. And then I, I went up, and I played that song, at, at one of the worship services. Okay. Yeah. That was the first time I played in front of. Because you got it pretty good. Yeah, I played it. Dad was all proud of me, and then that was before fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe third grade. Third grade. He was proud of me. Maybe second grade. I don't. I don't know exactly. And he he wanted me. He had me play it for Bruce Adler. Okay. I think. 
And so then, look how good he gets. Yeah. He gets and then Bruce was like, oh, that's great. You should come play it at the service. So you played it at the worship service? <laughs> yeah. I sat in. It was like Cliff Bell. It wasn't even Cliff Bell at that time. No, he wasn't. I don't think Cliff no, Bell was even going Cliff there Bell. yet. Whoever was the drummer. Dad. Probably Dad. Yeah. Actually. Dad. Yeah. Was he Dad the, the house drummer? Yeah, before Dad Cliff would Bell? have been the house drummer. And, and because Paul Rogers would have been on the piano, not Dad. Sometimes Dad would play piano, but that was a... Uh, that's funny that Dad was the house drummer and the rabbi. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. Yeah, Dad, and... and he was and, such an eccentric drummer. He, he never was, like, the kind of drummer that you would think would, would play in those situations. He didn't hold it down enough? Well, he was always wild. I guess that that's what you want in, in a, you know, worship I love his style, though. No, I, I love his style, too, but it... You know, you know what I mean. It seems more the kind of style that fits like '60s rock and not really worship service. Yeah. A lot of fills and you know, yeah, not just playing a steady beat, right? Style. Right. But he could get away with it. He was yeah. a rabbi. And who? Yeah, I mean, I guess it was like somebody on bass. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And Bruce on guitar. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's that's really what started it all for us. Is 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 that worship service stuff. Absolutely. That was our first experience with music. Then I played in school, but the only time I played drum set was at the congregation for a long time, until sixth grade, you know. Until CBA. Yeah. When they had their drum set there. That's when I started playing drum set in school. But in fourth grade, it was snare. Yeah, in fourth and fifth grade, just playing snare and bass drum. That was Uh fun, too, you know, just in the concert band. But there wasn't, like, a band that had a drum set in elementary school. Right. And, and in, in junior high, that was Mr. Godfrey. Yeah. And I remember, I, I do have a specific memory. And I've been looking for him. Did I tell you that? I think he might have died, man. That's what I think. Why do you think that? I, I remember hearing that. But see, if he did die, it was in the last year. Oh, then no. no. So I found some thing that he wrote up in 2012 uh, for his students. Could have been his hologram. But the email and, and the phone number on that paper that I found online his online presence is dismal that's the only thing well he's old yeah that's the only thing I could find it's this paper that he wrote up for his students okay in 2012 and I had his phone number and email I contacted both because I've been on a kind of a quest to get a hold of people from my past and he huh he wasn't the email bounced back phone number I don't know and and I someone at the CBA I'm, yeah, sorry. At the Pleasant Ridge reunion that I just went to, uh-huh. we can talk about that too. Um, they had just seen him a couple of years ago at the mall with Senorita Perez de Godfrey. Right, they were they were a couple, and Senorita yeah. Perez de Godfrey taught at CBA yeah. at uh, yeah. Pleasant Ridge. So if he, if he passed, it was in the very recent. Okay, well then he may not have passed. I, remember I hope he, not. For some reason, I remember I hearing that, it. or maybe he was sick or something years ago. Yeah, maybe that was five years ago. Yeah, interesting. So so he. Um, was the music teacher at, at the Cincinnati Bilingual Academy just for the people listening and um, he was really inspiring to me he really I remember the first day in the you know uh, what do you call that when you first orientation orientation yeah he asked uh, if anyone played the drum set and I remember being so excited because I didn't know that would be you know, I loved playing the drum set at Congregation. And, you know, yeah. I'd been playing for a couple of years, and I felt like I was pretty good. For, you know, I, I had a kind of an ego about it. Yeah. And he asked that, and I was like, yes, 
I play the drum set. Right, right, <laughs> right. My hand. Right. He's like, okay, good. Well, we have a jazz band, or you know, whatever it was. That was it a jazz band? Uh, they called it that. I don't think we play any jazz, but you know, they had some kind of band where I could play the drum set. Yeah, it was like an after school. What, thing, what sort of tunes would they play? Like, um, Louie Louie, I uh-huh. think stuff like that. It was more rock, right? Right, simple shit. And Mr. Godfrey played the bass. Okay, and I played the drums because there was no other bass player, and then. We had he had the horn players that would play melodies. Okay, there was yeah. no guitar player or anything, piano player. I don't think so. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. I, I I don't remember them if if they were there. I just remember me and Mr. Godfrey and then horn players. Who was the horn player? Did Dave Madsen play horns? No, I don't think Corey so. Corey Wynn, saxophone. These these weren't people that I really. It's possible. Yeah. Like my memory is kind of blurry about that actually but at lunch I would get together with just me and Mr. Godfrey and we would jam every lunch not every lunch some lunches a lot of times maybe once a week we had a schedule I can't remember when but or, you, or but why you... it happened I just remember being in, in his little office there was like a band room and then a smaller band room uh-huh. in the back and we'd be in the smaller one and we would just be playing rock beats while he touched you <laughs> But he was like, you know, he was all excited. He was like, yeah, you sound great. So, you know, he, was, he would show me different things. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember, you know, at that time, I was real small and not, I wasn't cool. I mean, you, you know, you went there too. We, we yeah. kind of only were there for one, wait, we were never there at the same time. No, you, you, I left you were in ninth right, grade when yeah, I was in yeah, sixth so, grade. Right, we were at Wanna Hills at the same time. But, but, you know, you know how it is there. Yeah. You're not really... A cool kid. If if you, I told that story, yeah, yeah, on the you, Christmas you told that same story. Yeah, I, I heard about that CBA. Yeah, so you know, CBA was. I mean, I liked it. I had Punk some good get friends. Punk. Punk, yeah, but you know, I, I was in a unique position because I was the drummer, and somehow that was cool, and it, it really worked for me at that at that school. And kids would rap to the drums and stuff. I did a couple things like that. It was one talent show we did like that, but for the most part, it was like. The jazz band would play. They called it the jazz band. Uh-huh. It wasn't like jazz, really. And uh, I remember, again, one of these memories where Mr. Godfrey announced the jazz band. It was in the assembly. And, like, he would, you know, tell who everyone was. And they got to me, and everyone was like, yeah! <laughs> you know, if everyone else was like... Right, right. So, you know, I had They this, were feeling you. Yeah, I had this big head about it. Yeah. Probably not so healthy in a way, but healthy in other ways, you know. It, yeah. it kept me confident. Um, You know... It, like seventh and eighth grade was probably my heyday as far as like ladies all into me even though i didn't even kiss any of them or even date anyone because i was so scared you were like the pretty woman no kissing yeah (laughs) everything else f dank as the the donkeys say uh we won't talk about that but so that you you were popular with the ladies. I mean, you were popular with the ladies in the you know the way that I explained it on on the Christmas special was that we had the religious side of our lives and then we had the public school sides of our side of our mm-hmm. lives and they were very separate and the and the vibes were very different. Yeah, and you know I was always more comfortable in the religious side. Um, you know I don't know where your head is at with that. No, me too. Yeah, that, that was my favorite going to the conference. Those were. Yeah, and I, I felt there I was popular too with the ladies and the guys. I mean, it, you, you know, were, you were real popular. I was always popular side. with kids 
two years younger than me. Yeah. Kids my age didn't care so But that's much good. Girls two years younger They were always two years perfect. younger than me. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, and junior high was, so junior high was the same. When I was in eighth grade, all the sixth grade girls, they, they were all about me. Because you were small. I was small. I Cute. played the drums. I didn't date any, you know, I wasn't part of any of the drama. So somehow I had this thing where I would get love notes and stuff. I, I loved it, but I never reciprocated. Right. But then high school. Why didn't you reciprocate? I was afraid because of the religious thing. I, I just. Well, explain that to me. Well, I, I was taught, as were you, that, uh, you, you know, you don't want to be sexual with a girl and save for marriage and all this stuff it was taught to us. And I had a lot of sexual feelings. I was already masturbating, I'm sure, in in junior high school. That's when I started, probably. So, like, you know, I had a lot of shame about that. And but you, so you know, I had a secret thing with my masturbating, but I didn't ever want to make it known to anyone. So, like, that's still how I live my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of got over that in high school. Because in high school, I wasn't nearly as popular. It wasn't like junior high. But you were going up girls' shirts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I dated some girls. Like, I kissed a girl in ninth grade. It was the first girl I kissed. And then, um, yeah, had a normal kind of exploration from there. You know, didn't have sex until 12th grade. But in between, you know, all the other stuff you do in the other three years. But, so, you know, I was a little slower than most. But not, like crazy you know whatever i was i mean i I don't i didn't have sex till i was 19 or 20 yeah so So, you know it's average or whatever but um but yeah junior high and then the religious the conference those were my two main where i had this mystique thing going on with younger girls girls following you for some reason these younger girls liked me at those times and it still affects my view of myself i don't think i've ever really given that up i still feel like even though at this point women don't really look at me like that in the same way i feel like that th- they must <laughs> you feel special but and, and i feel he, special anyway but everyone should feel that way you, sure, that, that's, sure that's that's like your inner inner sexuality that's your inner glow yeah, right yeah that's your, that's your uh absolutely yeah yeah that's good yeah and, and even now i still attract the same types of women like shy younger somehow probably damaged probably you know you know this is similar it's the kind of women that kind of always are very latchy to me i actually noticed that why is that because you're very nice i'm very nice uh you know probably that is one of the main reasons i don't know you seem you seem sweet not threatening yeah yeah I, I don't attract the type of girls going for the tough guy, the big guy. You know, it's kind of the opposite types right, right. or something. I don't know. But, you know, I, I've... I've noticed that, though. Over the past, yeah, uh, many years, just been monogamous uh, right. for most of my life, you know, which is, is a choice I've made. Which has mostly just been two, two women. I two, mean. yeah, yeah. I've been in two long-term relationships. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, but going back, we can talk about that too. But uh, going back to junior high, that that time definitely affected me musically, like kind of giving me a launch pad for my confidence on the drums. And after that, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do going into high school. Um, that's what your identity was wrapped. That was up. my identity, yeah. And so I would play with Mr. Godfrey in this in this room, and I, I remember specifically they had these glass windows that had all the 
uh, chicken uh, wire, chicken whatever wire. you call that, in, the, in, in the glass. Yeah. So if you broke it, it wouldn't really break. I don't know why they did so that. So it doesn't all shatter. Yeah, whatever. For whatever reason, they did that. But I remember those windows. And I remember we'd be playing, and like kids would just be looking in on us uh, playing. And I felt really cool about like that. Like they loved it. Yeah, like I remember heads oh, like... Oh, it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One, I remember Duncan Hill specifically. Because he was tall enough to... Who I just at. saw recently, and I remember uh-huh. him looking in on me at that. So that's one of my memories from that time. Mm. Uh, and that was a proud moment. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of those moments that from that time... I mean, I, I also got a punk, too. It's not like... I was you were a, still a small white I was a boy. Sm- still a small white Trying boy. to rock a Raiders starter. Uh, yeah, I got punked for the Raiders starter twice. They stole it? No, this kid tried to steal it. That was with Josh Kramer. We were in ninth grade. Oh, that was ninth grade. And, yeah, I got punked a couple times on the street. Uh, and this kid... Let's hear about... Tell me a story about getting punked on the street. Well, the first time it happened was before ninth grade. Maybe seventh, eighth, I don't know. But it was before this incident. I must have been in junior high. And I didn't have a Raiders jacket at that time, actually. But I was walking with this girl, Dawn, actually. Uh-huh. Remember Dawn? Yeah. Okay. We were walking back from Pleasant Ridge Pool, and this kid, and it was in the summer. It was, like, right before the conference, I remember, because the injury that I got from it, I took to the conference, I remember. Okay. This kid, um, these kids came up behind us at, at the pool, like, four of them. Like, just on, like, Ridge, Ridge Road? Yeah, right okay. on Ridge Road. And, yeah, we were walking on Ridge towards the UDF. Yeah. And they came up behind us, and he said, hey, is that your sister? I'm like, no, no, just a friend. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... Just another one of the girls that has a crush on you. Yeah. I'm not going to do nothing about it. Yeah. And and he kicks my foot. Like, uh, you yeah. know, when you're walking... Yeah. And you kick your foot, like, over... Kick so your you, heel. So you trip. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't trip, but I had my bike. I was walking my bike. Okay. And, and Don was there, and he kicks my heel... And so, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, so we start walking faster. And I look back, and there, there's enough of them where I was definitely scared. How many kids? Four. Yeah. But I seemed like the smallest kid they sent out. It really seemed like that. To fuck with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was, like, my age, taller than me, but, you know, he, he seemed like not a tough guy, really. Mm-hmm. But the other kids back there, I was like, oh, those are, those are like, big teenagers. Yeah. They look bigger. So then I get on my bike, and, like... It, it happened so you quick. You leave Dawn there? No, no. I didn't leave her. I told her to run into the UDF. Because we start going. Like, I'm try- I'm getting on my bike, and she starts running alongside me. Uh-huh. I'm like, going to UDF. So she runs into UDF. He grabbed my shirt from behind and pulled me off the bike. This is I, I made a left right in front of the UDF. Like, yeah. she went to the UDF. I made a left on... Well, Santa Santa Bill. Yeah. Something named something else yeah, right yeah. there. And he pulls me off my bike, and I scrape my arm really pretty bad. I mean, just a scrape, whatever. And uh, this lady pulls up her car. She starts yelling at, at him. She's like, don't mess with that boy. What are you doing? Right. You know, he runs away. And uh, The other the other kids, what they do They're behind him? They, they were still there. So, I don't know. It all happened so quick. So, I, I got up and, and rode my bike home real quick. Like I left on in the UDF. Uh-huh. Apparently, she went in the bathroom. So, I went home. Told mom what happened. We get in the car. We go looking for Dawn. Uh-huh. We go to UDF. She's not there. We go to, up to her street, Kincaid. We find her up there uh-huh. walking home. And we picked her up and we asked her what happened. She said, well, she was in, hiding in the bathroom at UDF and the kids came in there and then they left. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Not anything that major. 
or traumatic, but it, it traumatized me. Just getting picked on. Yeah. Anytime. The other time was in ninth grade. I had my Raiders jacket on, and I was with Josh Kramer, who looked like a girl at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, he was, in fact, they said, I think they said he was a girl. And it was one kid, and he was probably my height. He wasn't even a big kid. But just a fucking Napoleon <laughs> tough motherfucker. He was like, he pulls his bike up. He's like, let me try on your Raiders jacket. And I was like, uh, no, no, that's okay. This uh, is in Hyde Park? No, this is right... Oh, Pleasant Ridge. On Ridge Road. Okay. Even north of there, up uh-huh. near Troy. Right, by the past the comic shop. Yeah. So I'm like, no. And, like, he grabs it and, like, tries to try pull it off me. <laughs> like, punches me in the back of the head. And, like... That only hurts him, probably. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of bruised me, but... Yeah. So Josh and I just started running... You know, and we could have probably taken the, this dude, the two of us, but right. like he was just so aggressive, and I, I never fought anybody. So right. we just, I just like yanked away from him and ran, and we just ran around the corner, and like he had already gotten away from his bike because mm-hmm. he was kind of following us on foot. He put his bike down, so like he instead of chasing us, he had to go back to get his bike. So right. we, we got away, but it was like. What's going on with this Raiders jacket? <laughs> yeah, because at Walnut Hills, I got pushed in the hallway a few times, just like with my Raiders jacket. People would just come up and like push me, <laughs> you know. Well, and then that... my mom washed it. Remember that? She washed it with uh, something purple. <laughs> so like the, the silver Raiders insignia turned pink. That's right. And it was like <laughs> I couldn't be cool. Gay Raiders. Jacket. Yeah, I couldn't be cool because like I thought I was cool getting the Raiders. You know, I was just trying right. to fit in. I didn't know about the Raiders or football. Right. But, and then Peter Rowe or whoever was like, man, why you got a pink Raiders jacket? <laughs> it's like, oh, my mom washed it. You know, yeah. I was so mad at mom. Was oh, so man. stupid. Yeah. yeah. Think about it from her perspective. Like, you I know. know. She, I don't know why she even bought me that. She should have encouraged us to, for to a... be ourselves anyway. I mean, she did, but... Yeah, she did. What, they, could, what could we do? Like, no, it, it was no. like... She like was I doing said, the right thing. Like I said, man, there was nothing we could do. It's like, if you didn't have something like that, you just got made fun of. Yeah. You, got, you know, it was just constant. Yeah. So you had to try to wear Levi's and Eastlands and Raiders mm-hmm. jackets. and I changed my whole style in sixth grade. It was definitely for the worst. I mean, I look at photos mm-hmm. of me in fifth, fourth and fifth grade. Cute kid. And I had my curly hair, and I just looked cool. I looked like I was in the 70s. I had my right. flyaway collar and my tight socks. You know, I just had a cool look. You come out in the sixth grade like that, you're going to get fucked with I know, them. but that's a cool look. And, th- and then I, sixth grade, I cut my hair get real skin annoying. Fade. And, yeah, started dressing like, ugh, I didn't like, I don't know. I yeah. liked it at the time. But, yeah, I just had this reunion with all these junior high kids. I'm sorry, elementary school kids. Yeah. Which was really weird. It was amazing because I, I have such fond memories of elementary school and those kids mm-hmm. before you know before junior high when things got a little complicated, of course. And it, you know we got together and they were all so cool still. Yeah, you know, everyone sweet, felt sweet the same. People, everyone felt like we had a good class. You know, everyone felt on the right page. I mean, there were some bad apples, but you know they weren't there. They didn't seem bad at the time, really. But you know, they're the types that. Makes sense. You felt see. You felt like you did relate to the kids in elementary. And I stuff. did. I did. I I really have fond memories when I think of those kids, mm-hmm. which is why I was so excited when they contacted me on Facebook. I was like, oh, I'll go. I'll go to Dave and Buster's. You know, I normally would never go to Dave yeah. and Buster's, but I'll go there to meet these guys. As soon as I walk in, the whole table stands up like Josiah. You know, they all yeah. come up to me. I'm like, oh my god. 
haven't seen these guys in 25 years or however long. That's crazy, man. It was neat. I, You know, see, I never really connected with people in elementary except for, like, you know, there was a, there's a few people I have very fond memories, you know, like Danny Trevino, R.I.P., you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Ruben Edwards, of course. Yeah. And... I saw Aaron Davis, who was like the coolest kid. I remember Aaron elementary. Davis. Yeah, he I had remember like, him. Um, you know, always had a flat top fade. Like he was like the, all the girls loved. He was kind of chubby, but he was big. He was yeah. tall. All the girls loved him. He's real light skinned black dude. Uh-huh. And like I saw him today, really, like, in the window of of the PNC Bank. You didn't talk to him when I walked by. No, I talked. To, he, he was my teller, like. Uh, like a month ago when I went in there and you to said, deposit hey, a check. you remember me? I, I saw his name tag said Aaron Davis. I'm like, motherfucker, this is Aaron Davis, the Aaron Davis. And I was like, you remember me? I'm like, Jonathan Wolf. He's like, oh, yeah, hey. And that was it. I was like, you still see, you see anybody from elementary school? He's like, nah, not really. Huh. You know, it was just like, you know, he kind of, he remembered my name. He right, but he wasn't me. excited to see No, because I, was, I, was I wasn't memorable. I was, you know what I mean? Right, I wasn't right. remarkable. right. Huh? But that was that, and then I saw Michael Dudley. I told you. Yeah. But anyway, this is all, you know who who listening is going to care about all these names. I know this but, is true. We so many. Names. So you you got through the gauntlet in 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 junior high by being basically known for being a drummer, and and you were cool because of that or cool enough as mm-hmm. as the little nerdy white boy you were mm-hmm. that you made it through. Yeah, cool enough. You know, definitely. And, and one more story. Yeah. So Calvin Chapel, you remember he was the, uh, one of the yeah. coolest kids. Oh yeah. So the other thing that I was cool for, not cool for, but somehow I, Calvin was one of the coolest guys, and he was older than everyone for whatever reason, failed or whatever. Ruled the bus, sat in the back seat, was just very funny guy, very witty. He was kind of a good guy in a way. Like mm-hmm. he didn't really just mess with people that didn't deserve to be messed with i felt about him right you know he would defend people sometimes that deserved defending he had a good heart even though he would definitely cap on anybody and just tear them down because he was very fast yeah and he would get in fights but like, like not, fizz fights yeah oh yeah he was yeah. he was known for like kicking ass but like you know he wouldn't fuck with me i mean he would fuck with me but not like you know, he'd be like, just say, what's, the, what's up with those shoes, man? Right, right. You right, know, whatever. Right, he right. But he wasn't, like, mean to me. And he didn't hardly talk to me, but I don't know. I just had this reverence for him. You know, I used to come home and tell you about Calvin. You he, used to talk about Calvin. He just seemed like this cool, the coolest dude. I really liked him. Now he works at the furniture store, and I, I see him. And, at Home Emporium. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's cool to see him there, because he's, he's really still a really nice guy. You know, he got into some shady stuff at some point, but uh, later college mm-hmm. whatever so i remember one day someone had told him about this one video game that i that i was goonies too that I, I knew some stuff about right right and uh you know i, I kind of had this reputation also for being the video game guy the guy that you beat i mean from my memory we would basically we would buy games and then you'd beat them in one day or two days. Yeah. And so we stopped buying games, and we would rent games. Yeah, I was good. I mean, there were other, you know, it was not like the drums where I was the only guy doing it. I mean, there were other great video, but you would, video gamers. you were remarkable. You I would, was a good one. I was yeah. one of the good ones. You know, Peter Rowe was good, too. Like, we used to play together. Mm-hmm. I was probably a little better at most stuff. But, you know, we were a good team. We were definitely, like, best friends at that time, video game friends. And uh, 
I would go to his house. We just play video games. That's mm-hmm. all we did. And Calvin called me out one day, and he said, "Josiah, I gotta talk to you." And like, I was a little nervous. I mean, I didn't really think. You know, I didn't know what he wanted. I thought he was messing with me. And he asked me this video game question, like Goonies Two. You know, where's the ladder on the? You know, he said. Mm-hmm. Someone said, "You know," <laughs> Peter Rowe told him because he asked Peter maybe. Right. He asked me about. It. I was like, oh. Okay, you know, so I like talking yeah. through. <laughs> yeah, and Joel, Joel Cotton, you know, my close friend now, has a memory of me helping him with Goonies too. That might have been the latter. You helping Joel with Goonies too? I believe so, or so- okay. something. But yeah, both of them. Because Joel went to CBA for one just year, for sixth one year. grade, right? Yeah, just but you for got, sixth were you guys grade. friends in sixth grade, or just? I don't remember him as well in sixth grade. Uh huh. He remembered me. That'll be the what we'll talk about next. With high school. I guess okay. we should go to that now. We've done enough early years, but so, that, and so you got in cool with Calvin. So I got in cool with Calvin, yeah. And then if you're cool with Calvin, you're cool with everybody. That helped. I wasn't like cool with Calvin. Still, yeah. I, I still said some dumb stuff, and you know, I, I wasn't. I, I would try to fit in on the bus. Like on the bus, I was the least cool. Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of times where I tried to make a joke or try to cap on somebody. It never worked. Right. Like I just couldn't. I didn't have the flow. Right. Like I just <laughs> right. didn't. I, I never but you're did. not. you don't have the heart for that. I don't have the heart for that, but I try to fit in. I was, and yeah. I would do it in the cabin or whoever would just, would just look at me like, nah, man. Like, dude, that ain't funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. You know, in my own way, I try to say something. What about the religious stuff? Because you're getting out of it once you get into high school. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole other you're side. Deep into that. I was. I mean, I, I never... Was deep into the belief, though. You know, I never really was. You never felt it. I tried to feel it. I so tried hard. to feel it. I tried to believe it. I, I I thought I believed it, but you know, my true intentions during all that time was like social. Yeah. Just want to hang around the ladies, hang hang with my friends. You know, yeah. hang with you, do do the funny acts, just be the center of attention, or right. You know, or, it was very much about. I mean, I, I felt that way too. Like at the conference, like yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, I wanted girls to like me. and I mean, they never did. I was, like, shy and whatever. You were shy, yeah. I mean, I, you kind of, like you said in your other cast, were in my shadow at that time, yeah. you know, which is interesting how you kind of changed over the years, and, and that's a whole other thing we can talk about. But, yeah, yeah you, you definitely didn't say as much then, and but you always were watching, you know. Yeah. That's the thing. I said a lot. I was always talking, but I wasn't really... That perceptive, you know, I wasn't really uh, observing in the same way that you were. Yeah. We have different perspectives from that time. Yeah, that was that was definitely my nature is just, I mean, really just to, uh, yeah, to observe. That's mm-hmm. really, that's perceptive of you to notice that that was... Well, you've talked about it. You've talked about yeah. things I didn't notice then. Yeah. I know, I know now because you've told me, and you've told me things that you noticed then, and it clicked with me that... You were really watching everything at that time. Stuff yeah. that I don't remember. Things that I don't know right now. It doesn't matter. But it was clear that you were really a watcher. And I've become more observant lately. Like yeah. I, I tend to not be as talkative. And I, I sit back and watch. I'm, I'm not like I was as a well, kid. Well, you were a hyperactive kid. I was kid. very hyperactive. They put you on, you know, uh, Ritalin and all that. They did. You, they did. You, know, you, you had a lot of energy. Yeah, a- absolutely. You, you know? Yeah, I mean, when good. I watch those videos good. of us as kids, I'm just acting foolish, just going wild. Yeah. 
you know. And, Somebody and had I think, to do something interesting. Yeah, and that was my, you know, I had that energy, and, and a lot of kids do. Yeah, and, and they're annoying, and but it's good for them, you know. Probably helped me with music and all that stuff. How did you transition out out of that, that and into more calmness? I mean, just through high school and puberty, you think? Yeah, it's just natural. Yeah. It wasn't anything that I did. It was just like natural transition, slow transition. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. like one day, and you know, I was still hyper in high school, probably in a different way. But but in high school, you got you basically focused on drums and you went you were in the marching band you were in the jazz band you were in the concert band mm-hmm. that yeah. was like your thing yeah so coming out of the religious thing i mean i still went to the conference in high school but just to just to see the people just the to fr- see the people friends. i i definitely sometime in high school stopped even acting like i believed it as much in fact it was that one incident where i was you know accosted by the youth minister at the conference at the conference and they were like do you? I was going to play at the worship service, and people just knew that I wasn't really into it anymore. I, you know, I don't know how. Right. You didn't try to hide it. Well, yeah, I didn't talk badly about. It. I mean, I, I would. You and Jordan. Jordan. Like, we we you met and Jordan. That. We're big skeptics. You yeah, we already the... talked about that in Jordan's episode, I guess. But yeah, and I mean, did I tell this story in Jordan's episode uh-uh. already? Okay, I don't think so. I might. I feel like I maybe. Might. But anyway, they they took me aside, and they were like, well. Do you, do you claim, you know, Jesus as your Savior, your Lord and Savior? And I was like, well, I can't say that. Like, I don't know what that even means. You know, right. I was real kind of thoughtful about it. I mean, I still, it's weird stuff to talk about. But, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't say either way. Just like, what, what do you, like, what does that mean? Like, why are you asking me that? So they were like, well, sorry, but you, you can't play the drums for this for this service. Right, and they had Cliff Bell play, and he was like, Cliff Bell was very. He was upset. livid. Oh yeah, he almost didn't play either because he was on my side. He was like, "What are they doing?" Why are they? Yeah, you know, he's the kind of guy that's he's real kind of. Yeah, he's not into all that kind dogma. Of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so I kind of left that stuff behind. I mean, that's a whole other side of my life. Growing up with that stuff, and I'm sure it's affected me in a lot of ways. But yeah, you know, I I, I think I kind of left it in my mind faster than you did, maybe. Why, yeah, some, what I want to know is is how come you got into this serial monogamy thing, or just like are able to get into relationships? And I'm just like I'm 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 like confirmed bachelor, talking to all kinds of women, and you know, just like not able to settle into anything. What's the, why? What's the difference there? Why do you think that is? Well, where where when I was a kid, I would have thought the opposite. Maybe one reason is. I get attached to people maybe more than you do. You know, even my high school girlfriend. Um, is, is it is it like a responsibility thing at that point? Like, where you feel like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do? Well, I... I no, it's not even that. I just... I, I see good things. You know, I'm not so picky. Like, I, I yeah. see good things in people. I see people's faults. I see that everybody has faults and good things. You know, and and I feel like I can be compatible with more than just one type of person like yeah you know obviously i've sorted through some different types of people and realized certain certain things work more than others but you know every every i mean there were things about my relationship with julie that are you know better than my relationship with liz now but there are things about my relationship with liz that outweigh that and overall i'm happy with where i'm at right now Mm -hmm. because that's what i've chosen to be to do and 
and and you know everything has its ups and downs right and, and I, I've found a relationship right now that that seems to be the best that that I've found mm-hmm. the most exciting you know I mean excitement and interest is, is such a big thing stability is important too so I don't know why I think I, I found it and you have it in that way I mean in some ways I'd, I'd love to be single and, and that lifestyle of course is appealing you know I, I'm definitely a sex addict if any addict if I'm addicted to anything I don't think you're you can't be a sex addict well I think I am I don't have an addictive personality really yeah so I haven't gone but if if I were to pick one thing that I'm addicted to that would be the one thing I'm okay. not addicted to alcohol or weed or any right. of that stuff but with sex you know it's, it's different than that stuff cause yeah. it, it's, it's part of you I think I'm a sex addict and a food addict yeah see food I don't have a problem with food like that sex you know I, I could go down that road I mean, I mean but I've I've chosen not to you know I, I've tried it and part of me is like if if something went wrong in my life and you know if my relationship ended or something tragic happened you know I could easily go down a road like that right easily I feel like but you know would I be happy probably not you know I, I see my friends you're a, good, you're a real good actor playing playing like you don't have a whole side life right now. <laughs> I, I don't now Obviously. I mean I have you know I've, I have lived a double life in the past in a way yeah and I've gone through through times where I was kind of in a relationship but kind of not you right. know playing that game mm-hmm. and, and that's that, my life that was a stressful time i don't i don't miss that that yeah. aspect i mean just casual sex not being attached to anyone that seems more appealing than, than trying to balance some kind of open relationship right. that you have to that's tricky some people have the personality for it it's funny i just listened to rj's interview mm-hmm. a couple of days ago and rj had a big influence on me at that time when, when he's talking about open relationship, this yeah. and that, but yeah. po- uh, polyamorous shit. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about any of this stuff. I don't want to compromise someone else's privacy in this interview, really, but, yeah. like, you know, in my, my first relationship, serious one, um, you know, we kind of decided to be open. And a lot of that... That was at the end, though. It was at the end. But it felt right. It felt like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, why should people be tied to one other person? Like, what's the point? I had all these weird theories. But you at that convinced time. her, why? From after talking to RJ, it wasn't just. I mean, I had the idea before RJ. It was just R- RJ was the only person I knew who was doing it. So I wanted to talk to him and pick his brain. Right. I'm not blaming RJ for it. I was already <laughs> doing it. But RJ definitely like. You know, was someone for me to talk to about it. Right. He was like, "Yeah, man." And our, you know, our he can day, explain man. it away and make it feel he's like the a, most natural thing on he earth. He does. He's got a great way of explaining. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I love RJ. He, yeah. He's such a good guy. Yeah. Just so natural and mellow, and and just mm-hmm. you know, he's just a salesman. And I mean, not not in a bad way. He's yeah. He's one of my favorite people. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. So. Yeah, we. I remember having some long talks with RJ during that time. He, he didn't promise me it was going to work. He was like, right. I mean... It didn't work for him. No, it didn't. In the end, it didn't. But it did a lot longer than for me. Yeah. So, you know, things quickly fell apart. That crashed and burned pretty, pretty hard yeah, for you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, 
I won't get into the details, but it just didn't because work. of what you think. You, like uh, there's like shame and guilt. See, I feel like I feel like you got out of childhood with way less shame and stuff than I did. Like I, from the instant that I can remember my sexuality, which was like I don't know Anna Pat's fault in like second grade, third grade. Hmm. Um, she would wear this little leather skirt, mm-hmm. you know. I, what kind of fucking parents? I know her dad was a—he <laughs> was an artist. Yeah. But you know, I guess she wanted to dress like this, whatever. But she's like, with you. you know, the side ponytail and the little like leather mini skirt. Yeah. She's like seven years old or whatever. Yeah. But that was it. I was like, oh yes, this is it. But I, I and and be, and I would stay as far away from her yeah. as I could because it was evil in my mind. It was just pure evil. It was the devil. Yeah. And I, mean, and I carried that into like into high school and everything, and until my first kiss, and even after that, you know, yeah. where it was like the girl would have to like fucking you know grab me, and you know, you carried it a lot further. But see, I started the exact same way. In in elementary school, I, I had a crush on Anna Holmeyer. Okay. And she actually ended up going to Wana Hills. Didn't see her until Wana Hills. Never talked to her once at Wana Hills. I always wanted to go up to her and be like, hey, I just want to let you know. Because she left elementary school in fourth grade. And uh-huh. I, I was really sad about that. So did Anna Pat's fall. Yeah. She went to SCPA. Two Annas. Weird. I never talked to Anna Holmeyer after that at Wana Hills. Like, I always was going to go up to her and be like, hey, just to let you know, nothing weird. Like, I'm not. Because I, was, I wasn't even into her then. Like, right. she was, I, I was done with that. You initiated my sexuality. Right. I wanted to just tell her, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, from kindergarten to... Yeah. Because, I mean, I had sexual feelings, like it sounds like you did, in kindergarten. Yeah. I mean, I remember having fantasies in first, second grade of her, like, naked. Uh-huh. I remember my fantasies even changing over the years where I can picture fantasies I had when I was, like, seven. Uh-huh. Thinking about a naked vagina. Uh-huh. In my mind, what even what I didn't know what like. it was. Yeah, it didn't have any hair, you know. And over the years, <laughs> when I got hair, I pictured women having hair right down there. You know, it's like my fantasies changed, but I can remember even now, like pre pre pubescent fantasies, which is so strange to think. Another thing I want to say, and I just thought of right now about Anna Passfault is, and you know what kind of girls I'm attracted to now, right? Yeah, Anna Passfault ballerina. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. skinny. She was like, she was like, long legs, skinny girl. You know, I mean, you're attracted to, to pretty much the typically attractive. Yeah, but women. You you could say that to an extent, but like, very slender. I like small breasts, and you know things yeah. like that. But that's 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 a model. I guess it's a model. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. You look at the ways. typical. I mean, you like a little more natural. Look, you know, yeah. like like to- a lot of makeup. And I don't stuff. like heroin makeup. Yeah, no. so you know, but and you know, I, I'm I'm the same. I mean, that's kind of my go to look. Yeah. I mean, I I have more diversity in, in what I'm attracted to. I like I like different things. Yeah, you know. Okay, but should we get into high school stuff? You want you had some things. Yeah, we could get into that. But you, any, I mean, anything else we want to talk about? about well, this? yeah, I I just think we started the same way. It's just, I, I think in junior high you had a harder time and you didn't let those feelings go as much. I feel like you carried those things. You oh, know, even into high school. And, and, and like oh, you yeah. just said, and, in and, high and school. out of high school. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, I never got, like, I, like, I parlayed that into, like, flipping it completely into being a total, like, 
whatever the fuck I am now, weird male slut. Like, yeah, yeah. Not to say that I'm a male slut, but you know what I mean. Like, I think I sl- I, I went um, more steadily into a, maybe a na- natural direction. I, I you know I, I had girlfriends who were kind of one girl in high school who was kind of a freak and kind of showed me the, the freakiness. Mm-hmm. Kind of messed me up in a way. After that, I wanted every girl to be like that, but it wasn't the case. She was F tank, or she was just a freak. We didn't have sex because I wouldn't. I was afraid to have sex, but yeah. it, like it was like all right, anything but you know, and it all was so nice, but like, you know, I, I so she, you know, but I, I felt a little bit of guilt, but not really. I was kind of like, you know what, this is good stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wasn't really that shamed about it at that time. Yeah. I kind of was over that. I mean, I wasn't totally over it, but it, yeah, in elementary school, just to reiterate, I felt very much shame, and I would not even talk to her. Right. In fact, one time I was confronted. We were walking home from school, and someone said I liked her, and I was like, "What? I wouldn't like her for a million years." Right. You know, I remember like Made totally her cry or something. Totally or... like opposite. Like right. no, right? She's you know typical typical little boy thing to do. Like yeah, you know. But that was definitely like off limits to even talk about it you know, yeah. at that time. So I don't know. Why do you think that is? that was so strong within us? Was it like one teaching or was it like how mom was like, mom had this paranoia about that maybe like, you know, yeah. little, like little shicks of girls corrupting her, 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 her gem boys, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all that her, not just her teachings, but. But the, not teaching, like, I don't think that like, you know, she, it wasn't like, like mom or dad were like telling us these things it was more no. like youth pastors yeah but like yeah. but i felt like but but mom's sense of like with evie and stuff it was just like mm-hmm. uh, you know evie was this evil girl trying to corrupt you you know like yeah she didn't even think she was evil she was just always so worried and anything she would talk about with that she would never be like you can't do this it would be more like wow you know, you don't know that, you know, women, they're very manipulative. And, you know, there's things you don't realize that are going on. You just have to be really careful. Well, she's you know, goddamn all, right. But it was like, you know, it was like, be very careful because you don't really know what's going on kind of thing. Yeah. You but know. she but she didn't, she wasn't aware that in your head you had, you're fantasizing about I mean, these I, girls. I mean, Julie, yeah. who, you know, I ended up marrying and we didn't even date until college in ninth grade. Julie asked me to the frosh, the freshman dance. Uh-huh. And we were friends. Like, Julie was so cool, and we were in the in the band together. Did she have a crush on you already? Yeah, she okay. had a crush on me in ninth grade. So I went and talked to Mom. I was like, should I go? And she totally discouraged me. Like, she was like, oh, well, uh, you know, I don't want you to feel pressure. Like, I don't know if you're ready. Uh-huh. You know, that's a lot of pressure, and, and you know, she seems... Like she's a nice girl, but she's asking you, and she's obviously being aggressive. And you she know. hated aggressive girls. Yeah, Mom like, hated aggressive. You girls. know, and I don't even know if she remembers. It was like Julie. She who, wouldn't remember it was the same. No person. But I, I know. Yeah, that it is. And it's funny because then I did you tell Julie? that? I had to tell her no. If she remembers, I mean, we you were, told Julie no. I, I had yeah. I, I I didn't want to go to the dance. I was freaked out. Yeah, to go to a dance with with, with a girl. I told her no and. You know, we never dated then, and yeah. if, I mean, if I'd gone with her, we probably never would have got married. You know, you would have dated for a little while in high school, and it'd have been over. Yeah, that would have been probably, that. but we just yeah. stayed friends, and you know, like senior year, we were just like super close friends, and in yeah. the band, and 
you know, didn't even have it. It was kind of like what RJ was saying. Right, right. Developing like a, a, I didn't a, really see her that way until I did, you know, and then I saw I, I could see it. And then, you know, it was like, yeah, this is what I want is someone who's just my friend who. Yeah. You know, and it was cool. Like we had a good thing. Didn't last, you know, but for what it was, it was good. Is that weird? I don't, I don't regret it at Is all. that weird after a divorce? Like, not, like, this person who you were, like, best friends with for so many years? Like, kind of. And you rarely, now you see her, like, she on was just texting me tonight. Christmas or something? Yeah, she was just texting me tonight that she had a dream about me. Huh. Yeah. We were in Japan visiting this guy, Wataru, who went to, oh, yeah. never watched her. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, we still contact, and, yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird to be in someone's life so closely and then to just be a... External figure. You know, a friend, but not a close friend. You know, you just kind of keep up acquaintance, friend. Yeah, we still have love for each other. I I still always am hoping the best for her, you know. Of course. And all that. But in a way that I I don't do with other people, you know. Even other people, I, I hope the best for anyone, pretty much. But more so. But more so for her than most people that that I would, you know, like her, you, mm-hmm. Becky. You know, it, it's it's like family almost. Right. Even, well, even though it's like family. Yeah. I mean, it is family. But even though her and I aren't family anymore, we don't talk yeah. as much as you and I talk. Or sure. Even uh, we probably talk <laughs> almost as much as me and Becky. I I don't talk to Becky very often. Yeah. But. I guess we can get into high school a little. I don't want to go on and on about it, but but that's when I started playing in rock. You know, Joel Cotton, you know, I got to shout him out because mm-hmm. he was the first guy who showed me rock and roll, really, mm-hmm. and how that... Because he came up to me in sixth grade, and he told me... I'm sorry, in ninth grade, and he was like, yeah, I remember you from sixth grade, and you inspired me to play the drums. He started playing drums after he saw you in sixth grade? Well, actually... He had already played some, okay. uh, and he said kind of that I made him want to quit the drums. Okay, but in in a way, it was the opposite. Like he started wanting to play the drums. Right. I don't know. So, we yeah, he was in the drum line and marching band all through high school with me, and yeah, we started in this band together. And you know, we were just like best friends all through high school and played together all the time. Yeah, and taught each other how to improvise pretty much. I mean, we, we would just jam. He's a great improviser, so I remember yeah. we would just jam and jam. You know, <laughs> all the time. I never thought about this until right now, but you know what? Maybe I have thought about this a little bit. He he and Doug really remind me of each other, mm-hmm. playing wise. Absolutely, yeah. actually, that's that's very true. They both have piano background. Yeah, they both play guitar. Neither really studied like jazz or, or pursued the improvisational aspects of music. Uh-huh. Although blues is very improvisational, but they both. Are more improvisational than a lot of jazz players I know. Yeah. As far as their ears and the way yeah. they would do it. But so so that's what got you into playing in bands. Yeah. Basically yeah. in rock bands. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I was in a few bands in high school, all with him, just different names, yeah. different members. Let's hear some of those names. Sam, I was. Uh-huh. Well, the first one was Easy Access. Yeah. Yeah. You know. AX. ESS, yeah, uh, referring to guitars. Yeah, we played the Battle of the Band. Both the Battle of the Bands, we got and to you, the finals. You and, won, or you got no, second we never place won. or whatever. One year we got third place, next year was second place. It was a popularity contest, didn't really matter sure. what we sounded like anyway. But it was fun. But you were good. I, I felt like we were Jimi Hendrix's band. I mean, I, I really 
felt like Joel was Jimi Hendrix reincarnate. Like, yeah, we would play almost all. Well, we would play a lot of Jimi Hendrix songs, and I just Mitch Mitchell, that drummer. I just was like, yeah, I, that stuff. I makes can be sense. him. Just I'll be him. Play real fast, roll. You know, just fills and. Yeah. His drumming just made sense to me. So I basically, you know, doing that song, just all those songs would just imitate his style. Right. So we had this, you know, Jimi Hendrix thing going on that was pretty authentic, I thought. You know, I'm sure. But Sam, Sam I was, got into a Pearl Jam vibe. Yeah, then we got into Pearl Jam. Joe was in the band. Yeah, all that stuff, which is fine. I, I preferred the Hendrix stuff uh-huh, and uh-huh. those kind of songs. That was, that was high I, I remember seeing the you you played the YYZ Rush solo, the Neil Peart solo. I I didn't play his solo though. I would start at the same and just improvise. I see. I never learned his solo. I see. I see. Yeah, but that was your that was your big drum your drum yeah. solo during the night. Yeah. One, one of the years I don't remember when that was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was those were exciting times, man. Down at Bogarts, Bogarts is like the two thousand cap venue. All the all the high school kids would go on the Friday night or whatever, and it was mm-hmm. the battle of the bands. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You know, th- that is kind of when when some of the, the cockiness, some of those feelings, got a little dirtier. It started to get in the way in in a, in, a, in a sense. You know how so? Well, that that can only sustain you so long on something, being good at it or feeling like you want to show off. You you have to find something deeper in it. A deeper enjoyment within it that has to transition into that as you get older if into the soul into the soul into something that you really feel so joyous about that doesn't have to do with wanting people to like you or wanting to show off of course you want that you know you always want that gratification or whatever yeah your ego, your ego yeah you always want stroked. people to enjoy what you're doing but you know you have to find a different reason to do it than, than just that which you know, at least for me, when I started in junior high, that was pretty much the main thing. I mean, I still felt like the act of playing itself was always fun and exciting and felt good. Mm-hmm. Just that itself. But there was that whole thing, the ego thing. So then I got to college. I, I ended up going to school for music in college. Went to uh, CCM for studying jazz music. Really good music school. In Cincinnati, yeah, it's it's one of the, the better ones in Ohio. It's it's, it's well known mostly for their musical uh, theater department, but you know every it's a good music school. So at that point, I lost some confidence. You know, there was a lot of good drummers coming in there, mm-hmm. some guys who who definitely had a better grasp of jazz than I did, and just you know some older guys that you know I was like oh. Okay, you know, you can see the world is bigger than you think, right? So, you know, I had to find my reasons for doing it. You know, I definitely began to fall in love with jazz in a way through the people I was hanging out with. You know, there was this community of people there that were just jazz, jazz guys, and mm-hmm. we listened to the old jazz recordings. And they were serious, you know, and, and we'd just smoke weed and, and listen. And That's know. when you started smoking weed. That's when I started smoking weed, yeah. I, I never smoked weed in high school at all. Yeah. We were straight. I didn't even drink. Like, Joel and I, we didn't do anything like that. That's crazy. Yeah. We were just totally... Yeah. And it was cool. I was glad. But, yeah, I, I was around all these people in college that were really 
serious jazz listeners. They knew who they were listening to. We we they put on records and we and they would quiz each other. And, who's playing this? Who's playing? You know who this is or um, who's this sound like? You know, just it wasn't like always quizzing each other, but you know, I, I began and a part of it was probably the drugs. You know, I also did some mushrooms and stuff, and I began to get some paranoia about things, like feel like I wasn't good enough, you know, those kinds of feelings, and I remember... Like, around these friends? Yeah, even around my friends, just feeling like I didn't fit in, or this isn't my scene, or even though I did like the jazz, and I, I still do, like, I have a reverence for that music in, in, the, in the time when it was fresh mm -hmm. you know i think every music has a, has a time period where it's like special what's the period for jazz like bebop like like bird through i mean si late 60s real jazz you know depends who you ask like a real jazz fan will the period that i that i like is yeah 40s through 60s 40s through 60s mm -hmm. yeah once the 70s i mean there's still some cool stuff but whatever it just in general yeah there was this this time period where yeah the 40s were special the 50s really and, and then the early 60s like mm -hmm. there was things that were coming out right before rock and roll really exploded you know once the Beatles really hit and, and Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff jazz wasn't ever quite the same mm -hmm. in my mind well Miles Miles started trying to do bitches brew and all that stuff yeah I mean that stuff is cool like I like that uh, stuff a lot yeah. yeah I mean people are gonna hear this and think I have it all wrong no but this that's is my just, opinion. Just your opinion this is my it's opinion your preference yeah, yeah yeah bitches brew is great but and that's even in the late 60s so right. whatever but I, I so I love that music I still do you know I, I don't listen to a lot of new jazz some stuff I do, but but you you were saying anyway. That you were so I, I was securities. yeah. I, I was around these guys, and they were so serious about it. They had listened more than I did. And, you know, so much of jazz is is listening. Like playing is important, but you really learn how to play by listening and understanding what these guys are doing and hearing the differences between the guys and the drummers. You know, I I could hear the differences between the drummers. I started to like get it and learned so much listening to these different drummers or different styles, learning how that what they were playing. It was it's great, you know. Uh, a lot of times, I, I couldn't always tell other instruments all the time as well mm -hmm. as some other guys. Who, who were your favorite drummers? Elvin Jones was my favorite drummer overall. Um, uh -huh. I, I was just feeling what he. I, I could relate to what he did. I was like, he's he's doing this thing with the time, and I felt like I could easily fake it, emulate what he was doing, kind of like Mitch Mitchell. Mm -hmm. You know, n now I hear Mitch Mitchell, and I'm like, it's not my favorite drummer. There's other drummers in that time I like better, but it was just I heard it and I was like, oh, I could do this, you know. Right. Even though I couldn't really do it exactly like he did it. Same with Elvin Jones. Like everyone talked about how crazy the stuff was that he played and this. And I'm like, I get it. I, I it's not that crazy. I can do that, you yeah. know. Not really true. Yeah. You know, he's definitely ha has a depth that that I, that I never had in that. But you could approximate. It. I could approximate. Like I, I kind of got it, you know, in a way. I, I just, you know, I just thought he had a great energy. Um, so, you know, I'd say he was always, like, my go-to guy. But there was, you know, times when I listened to other guys more. and Yeah, so many, so many. Roy Haynes, I'm not going to just name off all the jazz drummers. But, um, you know, but I remember sitting with, with some guys listening, and, and they this other drummer, he, he had this jazz guru vibe. 
and he he would definitely would quiz me. We'd be sitting there, he'd be like, hey, you know who this guy is, you know? Who's what about drummers or about other musicians? Anyone? Too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, I, I I get it wrong most of the time. Or, yeah, I remember one time he came in. I was practicing. I was listening to this record in the practice room. It was it was a Miles Davis record with Tony Williams on the drums, mm-hmm. and I had it. Um, I was high and I like was listening. And Ben comes in the room. We were sharing a practice room or whatever. And I'm like, man, like dude, this is so fast. Like, dude, how is he playing this? And Ben was like, man, you have that on sped up. <laughs> you were playing it on 45, and it yeah, was a 33. Exactly, record. It was a record. Oh my god! Where I was playing it at the wrong speed, and he's like. He knew right away because you know he had a real ear for timbre. But you were all stoned out. I was stoned out, and my ear—I've never had an ear for timbre in that way. Like, right. you know, I think in a lot of ways, like Ben was a fluid drummer, great sound, knew how to tune the drum. His sense of time wasn't my favorite. You know, I, I felt like he was kind of a drag sometimes, and but yeah, he was such an inspiration to me the, the way he was so fluid on the drums and, and the way he made them sound mm-hmm. and his tuning and just his ear for the music. Like, he had a colorful ear. Like, he could hear the timbres of different players, you know? Right. Like, he, he was such a listener. Detailed ear. You could even watch him listen and you could see his ears had, like, grown to listen. Right. You know, some people, you can just tell their ears are, like, really attentive. So he was like that. He was an inspiration to me, you know? But, you know, I had to have something over him I feel like I always had to feel like I, I had my own thing like well I can play maybe you have faster chops or something no I no oh, no, 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 no 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 not faster chops just my energy was like right a little right. more I could play you know yeah with a stronger energy in my head you know again this is all going on in my mind so, yeah it could it, be it, different in reality it could all be different right in reality but but you these know. are the things that that you you think about to make your, make it yeah, all work. Yeah. So yeah, I remember one time. This was kind of an experience for me. I was on. Did you always want to be the best? I'm sorry I, to interrupt you, but no, not see. That's, you have that drive. That's what I'm saying. At that time, I began to learn that it wasn't necessarily about that in a way. I mean, I've always, I always had a drive, but I began to appreciate. Something else about the music besides wanting to be the best. The right. connection between, but you, but it started about being the best. But from from fourth grade right. until twelfth grade, you were the best. Right, you were the best in every in every scenario in your life and drum with drums, whether it be the religious venue or the school venue, you were the best. Right, yeah. And then after that, in college, you realize, oh, okay. Never yeah. mind. Every, there's so many good drummers. Right. Yeah, and I have my things, but other people have their things. And but but I'm, I, I interrupted you. No, so you, that's you, fine. You're on mushrooms. Yeah. So this one time, well, like I was saying, I'll finish what, what you were asking. Though I think a lot of it was realizing it has to do more with that particular group that's playing, how you're playing together as uh-huh. a group. Like if if I'm playing with a bass player and piano player. If we're feeling good and it feels right, you know, because I love the trio situation. It's very intimate. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you're listening to each other and you all trust each other and you're not paranoid that, that they're judging you or that they think you're not good enough. Because those are all feelings that you have when you start playing jazz with people. Um, there's a lot of vibes and paranoia and like 
hierarchy. There's a lot of that stuff that goes on in school that's unspoken. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this guy's great. You know, you're going to play with him. And, you know, he's, you know, this guy's, you know, and you don't really talk about it. Everyone kind of acts cool, but you kind of know who, who who's sought after to play mm-hmm. with and, and mm-hmm. who's kind of like not. And it's, you know, it, it still lingers today, you know, in the scene. I'm, you know, I don't get called for gigs. I mean, I feel like I kind of deserve to in a way. I feel like I'm, I hear other drummers out and I'm like, yeah, well, I could play better than that guy. But, right. so, you know, it's still there. But I know now that if I don't get called, it's not necessarily because my playing, it's just because I'm not around. Right. I'm not friends with these guys right. and, and I'm not making that connection musically with them. It's not about what I am by myself. Right. It's about that connection and like so you know once you make that with someone you go like hey let's get some gigs let's start a thing so you know then it works mm-hmm. and it's great so you know I had to learn that that it was more just about the group in a way right that's one aspect of right. it right showboating is, is uh, only takes you so far yeah and especially as a drummer you just gotta make it feel right for everyone and, yeah. and, and you know someone told me I can't remember who, who told me this but it was really made sense there's three ways to get people to play with you, and if you can, if you have all three, then you definitely play all the time. As a drummer, as anybody, as anybody, as anybody. Uh, the first way is to be really good player. Mm-hmm. If you're really good, you can be a real asshole, and you can maybe get people to play with you and not have to pay them much mm-hmm. because you're really great and they'll play with you anyway. The second way is to be really nice and cool to hang out with. People love to hang out with you. You may not be great. They're still going to play with you maybe. Maybe you can't get them money, but they'll still play with you. The third way is to pay them. Like you get gigs that pay a shitload of money. You could be a dick. You can suck. Hey, you want to play this for 250 bucks? Okay, I'll do it. You know, everyone talks about those people. Like They don't like them, but they're going to, they need the money. So, you know, if you have one of those three things, you're going to play with people. Right. But you need one of them. Right. If you have all of them, you're the, you're the man. Right. You know, people are all, obviously, yeah. So, you know, I, don't, I can't remember who told me that, but when, when I heard it, I was that's like, very true. Like, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. And it, it applies to any style of music. Mm-hmm. Or any, not just music, anything, really. Anyway, so yeah, this one time I was on Mushrooms, during that paranoid time, and I, I remember listening to some records on Mushrooms where I was touched. I was crying and, you know, really... You know, you can get touched during those times. Oh, yeah. As a side note, <laughs> when I was a freshman, when I was still in the classical percussion department before I went into the jazz department, this guy took me under his wing. He he was a composer. Uh-huh. And he was serious. And, you know, he could tell I was interested in different kinds of music. He wanted to show me. He was older than you? Yes, yes. He was a graduate student. Oh, okay. He had a full beard look like me right now like graying even big guy Michael Barnhart mm-hmm. and he sounds like a composer yeah and, and he took me to his house he he was like he asked me if I'd ever done acid I hadn't at the time he was like oh little well. 18 year old boy yeah who he told me not to try it he, he was, was like, trying well, to twink your ass dude <laughs> he didn't try to influence me to try it but he was like maybe I was 19 yeah I was probably 18 or 19 but he was like well you smoke weed. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've been smoking weed. I just started smoking weed. So we smoked some weed. Uh-huh. And he puts on this his music. that It was intense. His music? No, it was like some... 20th century weirdness? I don't know what it was. Like, Matt Hawkins has told me since he knows what it is. I told Matt this story. Uh-huh. 
And, like, it was great. I mean, it was, like, building started so slow, and, like, these voices came in. I was like, man, this is great. You know, I was high. And I look over, and dude is in tears. Like, <laughs> really? he's just, like, sobbing. And, like, so... <laughs> and was, he's, like, what, 35? 30? 30, probably, yeah, yeah. Younger than me now. Yeah, probably late 20s even. I don't know yeah. how old he was. And, you know, I didn't know what to say. Like, I, 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 I was, like, into it, but I didn't feel that kind of emotion yeah. at that time. Anyway. Maybe he just got maybe he just got broken up with or something. You don't know what was going on I don't on know what life. was going on in his life. It's true. But backtrack a little. So this couple years later, you know, in the jazz thing, I'm on the mushrooms. Started doing those kind of drugs a little bit. Yeah. And I remember kind of listening with a bunch of people around and feeling all these vibes. And, like, I couldn't really listen because I felt, like everyone's vibes like you know I was, the paranoia thing you know how it starts mm-hmm. to you thinking what other people are thinking you're even self-conscious about it, the way you're sitting or looking or anything and it kind of was ruining it ruining the moment and I remember in my mind I, I consciously did this thing where I I left I, I took all that and it was like being in a, in a museum where mm-hmm. that all those feelings were one or a picture in the museum, and I kind of like start, stepped back from it so I could see see what it was. Mm-hmm. And then I like I remember I like walked away. It was like in my, I was closing my eyes. I was walking down the, away from it down the hall, and I really felt like I left those feelings, the self consciousness and everything. At that time, and I had them again later. Yeah, but but I used even when I had them later, I used the same thing visualization visualization to kind of like okay that's there let's leave that now and Mm -hmm. you know it it worked it kind of worked for me yeah it it really did work for me and i used it over the years after that it didn't always work like that but you know i I, that's that's the memory i have of like kind of defeating those feelings Mm -hmm. in a way interesting time being around all those musicians in school and you know, it was definitely good for me to grow and, and be around that. That's probably what's, in a way, best about that sort of school experience um, is is just, yeah, being around so many other musicians and, and inspiring each other, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. It's it's the only, I mean, yeah, the, the classes, the teachers, but really it's about the music, other people you're yeah. around. And I, I learned stuff, too, definitely. But I learned the most just listening and playing with people. Mm-hmm. You know, in classes we learn stuff, but I don't know. So yeah, then I I did that. Graduated, wanted to play jazz. Moved to New York. Moved to New York. Um, Where do you play jazz? New York or Chicago? Yeah, you know, I just had to think for New York. I, I was yeah. I was at the time really beginning to follow a lot of the younger players and, and get into newer jazz, and I wanted to be out there with them. And uh, you know, like who Ari Honig. I didn't even know about Arnie yeah, Honig right until I moved out, out uh-huh. to New York. But, uh, you know, Brad Meldow Trio, I remember being real into them before I moved. And, mm-hmm. and uh, The Marcellus great-grandchildren. Marcellus brothers. You know, Kurt Rosenwinkel, I remember liking his first record, and I went out to New York to find, to listen to him. And there's a bunch of guys who I just knew kind of who they were. And, you know, knew they all lived there and yeah. wanted to be there. And again, my best thing about being there was all the music I saw. Yeah. I hardly played. I mean, I, I just, it was like CCM times 100 as far as like not 
even making a difference as, as my drumming skills it was like you what I do mean, you mean well when I went to CCM I realized I wasn't the best and oh when you got there you're like oh there's like when I got to really New York I was like yeah I mean I'm not shit completely. yeah I mean there's guys playing for free outside who are right. as good as me you know right. just like yeah playing on the street everywhere it's just crazy yeah you know I mean I always felt like I had my thing you know right. I, I never lost sight that I, that I had my own thing going on that was unique in its own way but I found a group of people who yeah. I messed with yeah Avi Finkelstein introduced me to Mike Savino, uh-huh. Tall Tall Trees. And the Italians. And the Italians, and Kenny, who was Mike's roommate. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really hit it off. Me, Kenny, and Mike, we played we play trio before we met the Italians. And it was a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. It, it was like these guys weren't trying to be at the top of the jazz scene. They were just playing for fun, and we just had a fun time. So we became friends, and we played. You know, we get together and play. We got this steady Monday gig. Didn't make any money, but we played there, made like $10 a person. Mm-hmm. Played there for a year, every Monday, and it was it was fun, you know. That was in the village? Yeah, I was in the village, mm-hmm. McDougal Street, and uh, I worked full-time at a hotel doing room service. You have fond memories of that time? I do. I do have fond memories. I mean, I, I have very inspired memories of that time. I, I started writing stuff in my journal a lot. You know, but then that's when I heard Reaching Quiet, you know? Yeah. And that's when I was like, we had already recorded Cloud Dead. Yeah. And that was fun. I didn't think much of it. We we had a good time, but I didn't really carry it with me. It was like, yeah. I knew that you had success with it. I never really listened to the whole record. Yeah. It just was like, I, mean, I probably I probably listened to it, but, you know, I, I knew your stuff. Some out shit, you know? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I, I knew Dose's stuff from college i remember right well we was, didn't even talk about apogee yeah, actually yeah we didn't talk about apogee but i remember when i was at ccm you've talked about apogee with a couple of times with other people a little bit yeah, yeah. well with with brad yeah yeah apogee was great you know but when, when i was at ccm um i remember you met adam and then i went over his house and we heard that tape and i had to get i got a copy of it adam's first show adam's first un- tape. untitled yeah. i brought it to ccm i, I brought it in a practice room and played it for all these guys because I, I i thought it was amazing i did too man and they did too and they yeah. all heard it they were like oh dude they didn't know rap i mean yeah. the rap they knew was you know whatever they never heard anything like this before in their yeah. lives and, yeah. and, and it was like Thelonious monk sample that i heard i, I heard that and i was like that, I, that I was fat john sample sample that yeah i'm pretty sure yeah i knew exactly that was from brilliant corners yeah near the end of the song and because I, I knew these those guys would appreciate that, and but yeah, it was great. So we listened to it. They loved Adam's stuff. Apogee was basically, it was it was basically a bridge between me and you, of di- these different worlds, like mm-hmm. these guys that I had met through the hip hop world that I was into just because of graffiti, really. Yep. And then you're basically your old band in high school, which is you know with Joel plus Chris Brown plus well plus Chris Brown, which who you met at CCM. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, I had a great time doing that. We we would pretty much just jam all the time. Yeah. We'd record everything. Chris Brown recorded everything. He probably has 100 tapes at yeah. his house. Yeah. And we had different spaces. We had different eras. We'd practice at Joel's house, and then we went to this I have real fond memories of weird, that. You remember that weird, like, office space? With like div- yeah. div- dividers? We only played there like a couple times. I don't right? know how we got in that place. James. 
Remember oh, the piano? We yeah, had a yeah, piano yeah. player for yeah, a minute, James. Absolutely, James. I think that was his, it came through him. Maybe that came through him. Joel's house up there, uh, uh-huh. of course. Ang's Coffee Ang's Shop. Ang's Coffee Shop. We had like a gig, sort of. It was more like we just rehearsed there. Yeah, it was rehearsal. There were people but there. It was just jamming. We just jammed and recorded. You know, I had a lot of fun, especially with those times. Every time we try to put a show together and turn the jams into, like, songs. It, that was it, me and Adam, like, trying to make weird, like... It, well, it was a good concept. It, it, the jams were never as good the second time around. No, it's true. There's something about... The jamming was the thing. Yeah. That. I mean, I remember the first time we got together in Mark Lieberman's basement in, uh-huh. in Covington. I remember that. And that was, that was like, so much fun. Yeah, I remember, like... Yeah. That was almost my favorite one. Was the first yeah. one because Div- we made a song called Boomerang. Yeah, yeah. Dibs was on fire, and, and Joel. I remember playing some tough bass lines. And yeah, I just remember being like, "Yeah, this is this is it." Yeah. Even then, there was a, an energy around that. I guess you and Adam. I mean, it was all of us, but like, because I remember being in other. I was playing with this reggae band, the Zionites, and, and we we couldn't fill a room, right? Really, and we tried, and we played so many gigs and you know we had a yeah, little following you gotta think man me and Adam would make like 500 flyers yeah, yeah. And we would walk you around. guys hustled it that's we would walk thing. around for two weeks at UC all at UC all concentrated at yeah. UC and we'd hand out these flyers we okay. made we had we got a bunch of records broke the records into shards and, and pasted um, the flyer information on that handed out these record shards like we made it cool at, you know it was, it was Adam really. yeah it was yeah, Adam yeah. it was Adam it was, I was Adam. Adam I was Adam's underling yeah Adam but, Adam yeah. had an energy still oh, does fuck, yeah. and like and I didn't know at the time. I know you guys did that. We've talked since. But at the time, I didn't even know you did any of that. All yeah. I knew was we played Ripley's, and the room was full. It was and, sold out at and, 350 people. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> we're bit, we're famous all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is going on? Like, yeah. it was like... Yeah, but it's Friday night. We played this gotta free think, music. And, and we, there was a buzz around Apogee for that, yeah. for a second. Yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. Was for a, like two, three shows. It yeah. was a buzz. Yeah. And then we kind of... You know, what were we doing? We were playing totally nonsense. Right. <laughs> I mean, to the outside listener. Yeah. So it was, like, not going to last. But during that time, that was my first taste of, like, something else. Yeah. It was different. You know, it was this Apogee thing. And then it kind of just fizzled out. And I, I pursued the jazz thing. And, you know, we did the Cloud Dev recording. I helped also record on some of the other earlier Green Think things. Uh-huh. And uh, saw some of your shows with Miss Ohio's name. Was always was so impressed with what you're doing. I, I felt like you had so much emotion behind it all. You, you know, it was like that's all I had at that time. Yeah, it was raw emotion. <laughs> but I was real proud of you. I really was. I didn't yeah. understand any of it really, but totally different from what I was doing. You know, yeah. I always had in my mind melding the two in some way at, at that time, but I didn't know. But yeah, th- then I was in New York back to that time and. Wasn't really making headway with the jazz thing, enjoying it, but realizing I wasn't going to make a living there doing that. Right. I was going to have to work 40 hours a week. Right. Forever, basically, to afford to live there. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was inspired. I, I would wake up to go to this job. I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> I had to be there at 5. I mean, sometimes... Damn. No, I had to catch the, the train at 3.45. That's crazy. Because it took like an hour to get there. That was when I worked the early shift, five. I also sometimes would work at six or seven. But this was, I was all mornings. Like, some nights, I would go to a jam session. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd flip my schedule. Like, i go to small... You're basically graveyard shift. Yeah. Plus, plus some. Yeah. I, I'd come home from work, get home at two or three, 
go to sleep, wake up, try to practice, you know, drums. Yeah. Go to Smalls, jam sessions, try to sit in, hang out to like 3.30, and then go straight to work. It was a crazy schedule. Ragged as fuck. I did this for, for a little while. Were you drinking coffee? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and then Julie was working her law job, working so many hours. It was just a weird time. Yeah. We lived in this place in Jersey City, and I was, you know, started listening to Reaching Quiet on the Train, along with all the other jazz stuff I was listening to with my disc man. Reaching Quiet to Explain is an early project that I did with Dave Manson with Odd No Stone. Yeah. Yeah, just for the listeners. Yeah. I listened mostly to jazz, but then I listened to Reaching Quiet and Danielson Family. Okay. We tried Danielson Family records that I had uh-huh. gotten, which similar to me in a way. I mean, not really, but compared to jazz, they're both yeah. pretty similar. Kind of self-taught. Yeah, and I love both of those things. But then, you know, Reaching Quiet was you, so it was like, oh, this is my brother doing this. And I just, man, it really touched me. And I started to really get into that record, listen to it all the time. And, uh, at that point, I don't know. I started to want to do that. I was like, the jazz thing is cool. I want to do some different stuff, you know? I just felt inspired to do something else. So, I, you know, I bought a recorder and, and started recording myself. Uh, just like you, you know? Just yeah. By myself. Doing some just experimental recordings. I bought a keyboard, Dr. Sample, you know, just basically biting off exactly what you guys yeah. did. Well, I think you probably asked me what to get. Yeah, but try to do it, you know, in my own way. Yeah. With, with weird rhythms. And, uh, you know, did a couple things. Did a bunch of stuff. You know, a lot of it was just so embarrassing and throwaway kind of stuff. I remember sending you one track yeah. where it was a cool beat, but, like, the lyrics and everything is just, it wasn't, you know, I didn't have, like, a voice. And, and from what I remember, you had a lot, like a lot. Of, you would make a lot, a lot of like just ideas that were unfinished. You know what I mean? Like oh, I had a lot of just unfinished like, ideas. Yeah. Just ba- you know, like basic tracks, but yeah. not, not really going anywhere. Yeah. But that one I sent you was was finished enough. I don't remember which. Or maybe one I didn't even send it to you. Maybe I played it for you. On, I was so excited about it. Well, I came and visited you in New York for yeah. a couple of weeks. I yeah. think, At some point. Yeah. It's like it's like. Da, 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 da. Okay. It's actually like the same chords as the vowels ended up being, I believe. Okay. But a lot of songs use those four chords. Yeah. But uh, the rhythm was cool. I mean, it's still cool. Like, I actually would like to use that for something. Uh huh. I really like that the rhythm. Everything else about it is is throwaway. Yeah. Anyway, I recorded a bunch of stuff, which eventually became the Josiah EP when I moved to California. Most of that I recorded in New Jersey. Some of it I finished. What, what made you call it the Josiah EP? Is that, that sounds like a Dave Madsen idea. I think Dave Madsen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Just call it the Josiah yeah, EP. It was him. Yeah. Because yeah. everything was EP, and it was it was, yeah. it was definitely a short... I mean, it actually was like 35 minutes, I mean, it could, or 28 minutes. You could have called it a full length. Could have called yeah. it a full length. I don't know. It's kind of in between. But uh, back then that was an EP. Back then, yeah, because at, at full length back then was fifty minutes. Yeah, for us, I mean, for yeah, all of us, that's yeah. true. So yeah, so I started listening to that, and, and I don't know. Then nine eleven happened. Yeah, and I was out there and uh, lost my job. You know, the gig got canceled because of nine eleven. Yeah, I got laid off. I was collecting unemployment. I mean, it was actually great. You know, why? Why? Terrible. Why, why did? Like, why did? Why did you get laid off because of nine eleven? Like. Because no, nobody was coming to visit. Yeah, it's just like yeah. they were like, 
the hotel is empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they laid off, I'd say, half. I mean, it was, like, a huge layoff. So, yeah, I, I got, like, pretty good unemployment check. And, and at that time, it was so lenient, you didn't have to do anything. That's know. why you came on that tour with us? Yeah, I mean, that that's exactly that's why. That's gave me the freedom. Yeah, I started practicing drums a lot more. I just stayed home. That's what enabled me to record the Josiah right. EP. To I'm practice. saying right then. Remember, because we, we, I was, I was in. Nine Eleven happened. No, no, we, we had already done that tour. No, I, I mean that was that was just after Nine Eleven. Before you got laid off, you mean? Yeah. Because yeah, I was in town for for. We had already planned the tour, though. I see. I see. Yeah, okay. We went to Baltimore. Yeah. And then that college town. Yeah. But we did one show before Nine Eleven. Okay. We were supposed to have a show on, on 9-11 at Brownies. In New York. Yeah, for CMJ. That was canceled. Yeah. Obviously. And then we still continued to do the other three shows. Which were, yeah, out, out of town. We, but there was no way for us to get home. We had to get home back to... I was living in California. I yeah. just moved to California. Yeah. We had no way to get back to California. That's because right. Because there were no flights. You guys were stuck in that hotel in Queens. Yes. Yeah, and we were in By Jersey the airport, City. by the yeah. JFK. And it was just crazy. But, yeah, I was recording, practicing drums going out to see music whatever I could do wasn't making as much but it didn't matter what I made as much you know Julie was making by that time we were starting to make more money right anyway so went on the mush tour I need a wife like that that's what that's what I'm <laughs> yeah, realizing yeah. then I don't have to stress no, about that, I mean that's shit. true but whatever I, I, that was also not nice right in a way I, I like being more self-sufficient I didn't like the feeling mm -hmm. of because th th that gave me the a man needs to feel like a man. Well, it just gave me the feeling of having to answer to what my spendings are. Right. Like I've had a guilt. What did you, you do today? Uh, yeah, a guilt about sure. it all. You know how. Well, she was working like twelve hours a day or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But um, this mush tour thing came up. You contacted me, and I was just so excited to do it. Yeah. So, I came out to California, and. We rehearsed with Doug and, and Jordan and Dave and Robert who ran Mush Records, who put out Rush Records put out Cloud Dead, they put out Reaching Quiet and it's a bunch of other stuff, but he was excited about the Reaching Quiet album and he said, Since I like the album a lot, Yoni, you can have a five piece band. Mm hmm. And that was, and so I got yeah, you guys together. You decided you thought about it, you're like, hmm. Well, I knew I, I knew it was going to be Dave, obviously. It was mm -hmm. me and Dave, and yep. then we got three more people, so it was like, I, I knew I wanted you, mm -hmm. and then... Doug, you played with Miss Ohio's Doug, I played with Miss Ohio's name, and then I think we had asked Joel Cotton, but he couldn't do it, mm -hmm. and and I, I knew Jordan through right. through Adam, and, and I knew Jordan played bass and drums, Yeah. so I, I asked Jordan. There's so many tours where we asked Joel Cotton. Yeah, yeah. And it never true. works out. It's true. So I did that, and after that, it was a, like I was in, you know, and uh, then I moved to California. I mean, you know, there were high hopes. Like we played London, and, and all these record labels were right. out, you know. Yeah, and uh, Lawrence was there from Domino. Domino. I mean, records. you know, in a way, I feel like you know, you in the, right in the beginning of this podcast, you say you're super like oh, wait. Wait and wait until the perfect situation. Mm -hmm. And I was that way with Lawrence. I was like, oh, you know. Let me just sit on it and see see if it, see how it works and and like the best thing will, will be clear mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in time rather than what most what ninety nine percent of other people would have done which is 
oh, Domino Records, the owner of Domino Records is calling me on the phone and is, like, going to lunch with me, trying to right. trying to get me to, you know... And there are four other labels that were interested. Yeah, in that, that but that was that was my favorite. Domino. He was my favorite. Yeah. Because he had, he had Silver Juice, he had Pavement, and then all this new shit that was, yeah. like, doing really well. They had... They um, weren't as big then. They were still big, but not nearly as big yeah, as they what's were the band now. Yeah, uh, it's... Um, with, 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 I don't know. Anyway, they had basically all the Drag City and Matador shit. Yeah. They they were like, you know, whatever. But like, any normal person would be like, okay, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to do this. But I'm such a loyal person, too, where I had this thing towards Mush and Anacon. Yeah. You know, that yeah. like, I felt like guilt about it. I felt guilt about striking out on my own because I had been carried by these guys or I had been reared by... by you know Adam and and you know whatever all the other guys yeah that I felt like too guilty about about moving on in a way it's a hard decision and to I, make there, I there's let a it, lot of ins and outs I let it linger yeah but when I think about it now in hindsight like should have been easy it probably should have been easy yeah and knowing now you know but at the time in my mind well you know we have this really strong thing with Anacon and we're gonna like this is my crew and like. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I, that's you know. I need to be honorable and, and be loyal or something like that. I think at the time, though, if I remember correctly, it was more about staying DIY, building it ourselves. You know, yeah. this feeling of yeah having the control. I think you're and, right. And not going with the label. It was really but Lawrence Webb wasn't trying to meddle. That's the thing. I know. I when know. You, but when you, you think still about have it, an idealistic thing at that time. I did have a very idealistic thing, but when you think about it now, though, in hindsight, yeah, this was a guy who was a veteran in the in the industry and really liked us and saw the potential of what became why, yeah, and like wanted to sign it and 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 like would have would have like put his all behind it, yeah. I mean, Hood, of course, he had Hood, and Hood was like my favorite band yeah. at the time. I so mean, do, was, do like, you do you regret it? Like, do you feel like? Everything would have been better. I, I think that I wouldn't have so many worries now financially and stuff if if huh. uh, if if we had done that. Interesting. It's possible. I think things would be. I think things would have taken off. Huh? Yeah. I mean, very likely. It's interesting to to think. But one, one I don't decision. know. Then my relationship might have been different with everybody around me. We might not have made the records we made. I don't right. know. Right? Yeah. Knows? Exactly. How can you? You know, yeah, like Woody wanted. You can't know. We, we would Oakland and Sula Sign would have would have become demos, which is what it was supposed to be, and we would have made an album off of that. Mm-hmm. It it would have been a different ball game. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? It's interesting to think about that, though. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, but I mean, that, after that tour, I was I was addicted to it. In a yeah, way. I mean, I, I remember I went back to New York and worked this job, but I, I had it. I had my secret. Like, Once you get people clapping at you like yeah, that, I knew I was like I was at the job smiling like, These people, oh you suckers like some Austin awesome Brown shit. <laughs> I'm out of here, man. <laughs> Hitting the road. Yeah, you know. Obviously, when I got to California, it, you know, it was tough. It wasn't quite as like I thought, but you know, whatever. We did it. First year it was a hard transition in California without yeah. Julie. It was yeah without Julie, but also. We didn't jump directly. Everyone had projects. You were doing the Cloud Dead thing, the right. second Cloud Dead record. I was working on the second Cloud Dead record and, and the Oakland Soul song yeah, at the same exactly, time. And exactly. Jaime's basement. Yeah, yeah. It was like, you wanted me to be there, but once I was there, it was like, okay, well, how do we do this now? Right. In reality. You're right. Because I had my projects. And I was used to working alone. Yeah, you had your projects. So, or with, you know, you know, whatever. For me, I was like, all right, well, 
I'll finish the Josiah EP. Yeah, that became that. So now, I, was that, how was that for you? Was that a weird like? And this goes back to what I was getting at in the beginning. Is like we have rarely actually really worked together. Like I feel like the closest thing was Elephant Eyelash. Elephant Eyelash. Yeah. Where we really like worked together on it. Mm-hmm. You know, how's that been? Because like it's true when you got out there. I remember that. Like I had my studio set up in my room, mm-hmm. and like I was. You know, doing shit for both of those two records. Yep. Then I went out, did the record with Andy. But like, yeah, we we never really worked together on shit. Mm-mm. You, you, but like, mass records were being made in the house at the time. Yeah, it was hard. I mean, it's a weird time, man. Yeah, I definitely felt like I didn't have a place in in a way. It wasn't it wasn't my favorite time? Yeah. I mean, it was exciting. All these times that was a hard time. Actually, I thought. Yeah. Once Julie moved out there, we got into the house on Dwight. Yeah. That was a good time. And then that's when we did Elf and Eyelash. You moved up to your other place. Yeah. And then we started working together. Yeah. And that was that was great, you know. Yeah. I have good memories of working in that house. Oh, yeah. Recording Yo-Yo Bye-Bye. Oh, and Alan Dwight, yeah. Making you do the push-ups, and then we got that take. You made me do push-ups before we got before the... Before the take. Because we were recording my vocals and piano at the same time, yeah. right? Yeah. And I remember you were having trouble, like, do a set of push-ups... And you did it, and you sang, and then I remember that was the take we used. Huh, that's I cool. I don't remember clearly. that. And then, yeah, that's the song. I remember amping that piano into the bathroom and recording the uh-huh. answer for the chorus, like... Exactly, exactly. Shit like that. Yeah, you let me produce most of that whole song. Yes, you did, yeah. Which I felt really good about. You yeah. Know, you helped with, with some of it, but yeah, we, we did a lot of collab on that record. Yeah. And the other two records, you know, there was collab too after that. Not in the same way. Yeah. But in the writing process, we would rehearse and came up with stuff together. I, I felt once we were in Minneapolis, too. yeah, I felt. I mean, I I, I thought the record- no, I mean even in in my house in Dwight. Oh, when we would have rehearsals, yeah, well, like that's where we did came up with uh, Sky Force. Yeah, yeah, or that's where we wrote Light Leaves with Doug. That's and, true. You yeah. know, or yeah, yeah, Rubber yeah. Trace. Like a lot of those songs. Well, those are both on Elephant, so never mind. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I mean, like Al, like when you think of alopecia. Alopecia is mostly stuff that I wrote myself, mostly, uh, except for like Sky Four uh-huh. and maybe one other. There's a, there's a like, few other like ones. Sad Assassin. Yeah, Sad Assassin. But that wasn't like collaborative. Like you know what I'm saying? Like right. you had the second section, right. I had the first section. We meshed them together. Yeah, yeah. But like that's what I'm saying. Like we had like since Elephant, we haven't really. I mean, like and then as some of the Eskimo songs, yes, were like mm-hmm. parts that Doug had or something. You know? I know what you're saying though. That's Elephant was the most that we'd worked together. Yeah. There, there were moments after that, but not as much. Yeah. And maybe slowly less and less up until months, which was the least yeah. of any of the records. Right. That we worked together. Yeah. Until we were in the studio. Yeah, of course, in the studio, you, yeah. You, you, but as far as the writing process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and arranging for months, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. And, and even the other two to a lesser extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're ready to get back to that? Yes, is, is what it boils down to. Yeah, I'm over. I'm over this this like lone lone dude in a room trying to fucking keep himself sane because I'm I can't keep myself sane anymore. I there's too many there's too many distractions. I have this iPhone now, and there's too many girls. Maybe to it's look time at. to get rid of the iPhone. Too many girls to look at on Instagram or on whatever, and it's just like I can't focus. Yeah. Maybe it is time to get rid of the iPhones. At least we should have a little little bucket out out there for iPhones. That's true, actually. No iPhones in the studio. That's true, actually. 
Although I feel like once I'm here with you or whoever, like yeah, I don't. No, I don't have Facebook a problem with that. But it's yeah. more like a product of being at home by yourself. By yourself. Uh huh. I think that's what, what's going to have to happen next. We're back and, to the and, collaborative and, and maybe, spirit. Maybe even less like elephant, but more in a way a new thing. Like what we had talked about doing in a way for the first or the second Reaching Quiet record, which was going to be on Domino, mm-hmm. which was like what Dave always used to talk about, Madsen, where it was actually us like actually playing grooves, you know what I mean, like in a room, mm-hmm. and more like that, because maybe it's like live playing as opposed to like, because the Elephant was so piecemeal because we were... Mm-hmm. We didn't play anything live on that, you know. What I mean, that was not like much. Most couple things, mostly layered. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But like, maybe we do. Maybe it's more have because you know I'm listening to reggae now, so it's like I want <laughs> I want that like dub. yeah dub. So I want that like real human to human thing, you know, yeah. and fucked with later or whatever. Well, I'm real excited. I, I feel like we're in a good good place for it. We got this space here now, and yeah, just as far as the chronology goes. After after uh, I moved out there, spent that year of the unknown. Then, then we started. Uh, we started it. You know why? Yeah. I mean, why was already started sort of, but then we started why as a band. And yeah. We started touring in two thousand three, and just you know we've been doing, doing it, it ever since. Ever then, since. Yeah. But you know, I think it's become difficult over the year. You know. A band goes through goes through ups and downs, just like a relationship, just yeah. like anything. I we've remember had some hard times. Yeah, we've had hard times and we've had good times, but yeah, we've had personal, you especially, yeah, really tough times. But just as a, aside from our personal issues, which are you can't really take that apart, but if you want, if you can try to, just the band itself. Yeah, I felt like the band was always going up and, and I felt like it was a something that couldn't be stopped I really yeah had a feeling like I felt that way every too. record got more popular our yeah. audiences kept growing alopecia hit I was like this is it like we're just keeping it doesn't we can do anything right slow build and just it's slow, gonna keep slow going build. you know yeah. and I think reality hit that's not true right like this is a big world with a lot of bands right and you're only in vogue for a certain amount of Even time. Even bands that are, get popular don't always stay as popular. You know, once you reach a certain level of success, which I think we've we've reached, you're always going to have a certain fan base. Right. You're always going to be able to go back and do some shows and get some people out. Because, you know, we have some really serious fans, which is awesome. But it's not always going to keep growing. Right. Some some point, you just have those fans. And, you know... So we had a little down time, you know, and I think that that kind of gave us all a wake up call. Yes, for me it did. It's like, yeah. wow, you know, right now like we're not touring much. I feel kind of set back financially, and set back as far as like my status or whatever, being touring and you know feeling that feeling that you get when you're on the road and you get sold out shows where you, and you got a pocket full of cash got and cash. you got yeah you feel good you know yeah you know feeling like I've been set back in a way and it, it could be good Same hum- here, a humbling man. thing so you know I'm trying to find ways to make money that I haven't had to do in a while I mean I, I did work jobs throughout touring with Y I've had restaurant jobs um 
in California, you know, here and there. So it's not like I've been without jobs. I, I haven't 10 had years. one since 2001. You man. haven't had jobs, but you know, you've hustled in different ways and yeah. made your money in other ways. And you know, you've wise. You get the more percentage because you know right. it's, it's your it's your thing. But now, but now I feel like I'm going to have to. I have to get yeah, through well, something. But anyway, yeah, well, absolutely. Record sales aren't pulling any. You know, it, higher percentage of zero is still zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's not like that's what I'm saying. Your higher percentage is paying off right now because there's no money. Coming I don't in. think I've been paid for an album in a long time. <laughs> no, yeah. no. So, yeah, we're both in that place. So, I mean, it's hard because it's hard to go back. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not above getting a job. Right. I know for you it's harder because you don't have as much I, I actually had a beautiful dream about it. Really? Like uh, about four nights ago. Yeah. I, I was married to this beautiful woman who was sort of Anna, but she had a name that was, uh, it was Calix. It was like Kaylee and Alex mixed together. Hmm. And um, Calix, I like that name. And, and, and we moved to a small town in Michigan and got jobs as mechanics at a car dealership. Anyway, not to, huh. and I, and it was a beautiful life. It was a beautiful life. It's a cool dream. Yeah. It's a weird, it's weird to dream about a life. Yeah. You're not dreaming about it one day. Mm. You're dreaming about a whole life. Not a whole life, but it was like <laughs> the, the start of a new life. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, but what were you saying? No, that's cool. I, I was just saying that, yeah, I could get a job at a restaurant, which I've done. Yeah. I'm trying to teach drum lessons. I'm actually, today I got like three calls. It's crazy. That's so great. maybe that's going to be successful after yeah, it all. It should be. Why shouldn't it be? Well. Like it totally should I be. I think lessons in general, like a lot of things, have moved online. And right. a lot of kids are getting, they're still learning. What, Skype lessons or something? No, free, like, YouTube. They just look at YouTube? Yeah. I see. Or some of them you can pay for. People are selling online things, but they're cheap. It's not I like the same. Those have no, it's not the same. But I mean, the amount of money you save. Yeah, yeah. You know, I charge full rates. I mean, right? You charge the going. I rate. charge the going rate. Yeah. You know, some people try to undercut, charge less. You know, I charge like the top going rate, which you right. would pay at a store or anywhere else. Yeah. So whatever, it's working out okay. I mean, we're, we're struggling. Like next couple of months are crunch time. Like yeah. without these tours, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. Just found about eight hundred dollars in, in uh, foreign currency. I, I didn't realize we oh, had. I have some foreign currency. See, <laughs> so like, like, all right, Liz found it. Yeah, I knew we. I had. I just forgot. I got a stack of euros, dude. I forgot. See, that's great. You probably. But got that's, a not gonna, amount. that's not going to carry me through. <laughs> but well, it's something. You know, everything helps. That's the yeah, thing. You yeah. have a hard time. Adding the pieces, like you just want everything to be there. I just like simplicity, man. Yeah, I'm not. Like, I'm not good at like. You know, I, my brain doesn't like complicated, like all, like pulling things together because yeah. I don't write things down. Yeah, it's just during these times, it's a hustle. It's like yeah. every little piece adds together to being just enough. And I feel like if you hustle, it always seems to work out. Yeah. Now that's probably idealistic. Sometimes I mean it always has so far unless it doesn't right yeah <laughs> but, exactly you know uh, I'm hopeful anyway got to be hopeful yeah so that's where we're at but I, yeah I'm excited to start doing some fresh stuff I, I feel like this is a good space it's a great space man right so th- yeah to explain we're, we're right now in in a, a studio here that we built out uh, over the summer yeah um, in, in the basement of Josiah's house and uh, it's a great 
great space. Yeah. Sounds good in here. I don't know if you can tell the difference between this podcast and the others, but sounds real nice and dry. Yeah, sitting under the cloud here. Yeah. Yeah, the, no, the vibe in here is good, too. I, I like great the colors vibes. and the Great feeling in here. And... Set up really nice. Yeah, so I think we're going to get some cool stuff in here. We've already done some stuff. We're, we're just working on these little fun tracks that are not so serious but it's, it's a good thing to start with yeah you know. getting getting our feel yeah. for the room yeah so that's up to the present I mean that was more chronology yeah that's fine though you know rather than like deep feelings about stuff but you know now we get into the deep feelings yeah I mean I have some feelings I mean it's it's hard to get into deep feelings start with shallow feelings and then yeah get deeper well I've had thoughts lately about stuff i always do i want to know your thoughts well, man you don't you don't talk to me enough that's that's something we don't talk enough. you don't talk to me enough i do talk to you i tell you about things in my life and my feelings no and you stuff. don't what do i not tell you about we don't we don't talk about neither of us talk that much about stuff i i mean i i feel like i tell you most things about myself but I, maybe in, in, in certain ways in certain ways in certain okay, ways fine you can both talk more. I mean, yes. I think there's other feelings. But you're quieter than me now. I am. I as am. opposed to our childhood. Yeah, yeah. You you tend to be more open in, in a way, but there's other stuff underneath, I think, that you don't express as much. It needs to be yeah. pulled, pulled out. Yeah. You know, I I think certain things you just kind of write off. Like, oh, well, whatever. That And I don't want to say specific things necessarily spreading your business around the, the uh, podcast but you know you act like something doesn't affect you or whatever whatever you know I don't like, know like what like how you mean like without specifics maybe just someone that, that you know that you've you've possibly uh, spent time with or you know people that, that you've got to know who, who I really don't know that well you know maybe females <laughs> you know yeah. and like you know you just kind of act like whatever you know you're dating around whatever but you know I think those things affect you more more than you act like uh, I as mean, far as your day to day life yeah you know you'll say no you know I, all I care about is that we can record stuff or, or be creative yeah and I you know I understand what you're saying but I think all that stuff is, I just don't want I don't want to think about girls like I like I do like I tend towards just like constantly like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think I'm an addict. Like, I'm just constantly thinking about it. And, yeah. And it's not just, it's not like I have, I'm focusing my, all my attentions on one person that, like, you know, I'm in love with. I just am constantly trying to talk to people. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, flirting. You know what I mean? Like, a con- I'm like a constant flirt. Yeah. And, like, um. I'd be the but, same way. But, I know, but, like, that's not, it's, it doesn't feel good because ultimately there's no there's what's the what's the end game there's yeah. no there's actually there's actually nothing that it's leading towards i mean p- like in my mind and i think in deep deep within the recesses of my mind and i know that i'm talking now about me and not no, about that's, you but no, you're, gonna, you're is, gonna get into you i will but this is what we're what but i just brought up somewhere in the deep recess i know i i assume that you understand all this shit when i just say like man fuck i've been talking to too many girls lately but like the, the reality is like in the deep recesses of my mind I I want like one day to be hollering at some you know whatever twenty year old girl that I might be hollering at and realize that like oh wait like this is perfect this is the one for me you know what I'm saying like when in reality probably I'm not in the right state actually no. for that to happen so like 
that's the thing about our sorry the RJ said like I think what he said in his interview struck a chord what'd he say well when he, when he talked about how when he met Ileana yeah he wasn't attracted to her and you, and you were like flabbergasted right you're like what how can you not how can something work if there's not the physical because you always put so much on the initial physical spark well, I just never get deeper than that. That's all. Like that's but, but, that's but, where my but shit. But if ends. you meet someone, yeah, that is cool. But you're like, there wasn't that spark. You write it off right away. Like that's your that's your attitude. You're like, yeah, you know, she's cool, but we just didn't have that spark. And, and I think that that closes so many doors for you that, right. that that maybe shouldn't be closed. I'm not saying you have to pursue all those. Like they got to be something, but just keeping being open. Yeah, and feeling like well, I've been working on that. Things can like what no. he said, like. He didn't even think of her that way, and it was becoming friends first. Right. And in a way, I think that's that's really not that it always has to be that way. Look, I'm like you too. I mean, with Liz, you know, I had the initial spark, and I had a crush on her. You know, I was attracted to her from from the beginning. So you know, and you got married. I did. So I know. did. So you know, but I don't know. I, I like RJ's thing with that. Yeah. No, I do and, too, uh, man. Look, I, I I'm I'm not saying that I know that I understand that and that I'm right or that like my ways of acting are right because I know they're not because I'm like I'm I don't feel right in my life, you know what I mean? Like I I feel unsettled. And that's why I say what what I really and truly want is is to stop thinking about that because mm-hmm. I, I I think about it too much. I'm yeah. like, and and like I like I said like with with having the phone, it's like I can always be talking to somebody or always be looking at somebody's picture or always be whatever and like that's like not how it should be and then yeah. like I have problems like you know you know what I'm saying yeah yeah other problems yeah that like arise from that whole way of thinking but you're not alone see it's almost like you're you're in a group of guys doing I mean I, I you know it's funny because single guys I always, I'm sure, and single people make fun of people in relationships. Or like, you know, it always seems like, in a way, you envy it, but in another way, it seems like such a burden or hassle. And I'm not. I don't. I I like people. I would like to be in a relationship. I know, but in a way, but in another way, come on. There aren't times when you see a couple. Yeah. When you just feel like, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that (laughs) shit right now. I mean, come on. Right. Right. Yeah. If a couple, when I see you and Liz fighting, yeah. yeah, If a couple's in a good place, yeah, maybe you envy that. If a couple's not in a good place, you're like happy you're not in that in that situation. And it's the same for me. You know, if I'm in a fight, yeah, I'd I'd love to just be alone right at that moment. You know, if I'm in a good place. But you know, if I see you, sometimes I'll see you and Matt and and Nick or whoever. Sad. Just talking all this shit and Matt going through whatever and I you know I'm happy like I'll, I'm like I'm glad I'm not dealing with that yes. shit right now because what is it you know what do you it's all this gossip and single guys like it's just about dating try, it's, it's just about trying to figure out how to yeah. how to couple with people yeah I mean I understand it and I and I'm out with your boys during my rare single times in my life man did, did I take advantage and, and just flirt yeah. with everyone because I, I love it to flirt yeah I love ladies. I, I love just talking to ladies and having a good time. It, it's something that... It's one of the joys of life. It is. It if is. we were Mediterranean people, if we were, yeah. which we are, yeah. but if but if, but if if we were, like, born Italians or some shit, it wouldn't be a question. Be like, yeah, you thought you were speaking to women. You're talking yeah. to the ladies. Yeah. 
So you know, but that's the other thing I already said I liked. You know, sometimes you just flirt, you hang out. That's all. That's perfect. Yeah, I know? do that too sometimes. Yeah, I do that too sometimes. But and more often you know, than I be fucking. Yeah, you do. But you know, that's all I do. If if anything is sometimes I'll flirt with someone. That's you know whatever. That's fine. But it's funny how both sides can easily be kind of laughed at. Yeah, for what they're doing. I mean, nobody's another way of saying it is just humans can really be laughed at. Yeah. for the dumb shit. And the trifling ways that we act. Yeah, that's true. I mean, t- tonight was was a perfect example with Liz, you know. And Liz and I have been doing well. We don't get in as many fights as we used to, and our fights are, are not as serious as they, they were in the past. Yeah. So I, I think we're moving in the right direction. But, yeah, the kind of stupid shit you fight about... Right. ...is ridiculous. Like, I mean, you think about it. What, what, what shit was it? It was... It was funny. It was like it wasn't funny, but you know, I mean, Liz has had a tough day. She's having a hard time, yeah. kind of being inspired with this stuff. So you know, she's already in a mood that's not great, just on her own. Like she's not trying to blame me for that. She understands that's her. Like uh, we were trying to leave. See, I think we have a, the dog Max, and she wants to put a coat on him every time he goes out, and, the, and it's really cold out. Right. I can understand. It is like saying. zero degrees, dude. It is. But my feeling is, when you put the coat on him, it slows him down, yeah. and he, he kind of gets confused. So, if he's going to be out, like, on a walk or something, yeah, he should have that on. But if he's just going out to pee for, like, a minute or two, I don't think he needs the coat. Right. I feel like, he, just let him go pee. Yeah. He'll come right back. He's a right. dog. Right. His coldest parts are his paws. Right. And the coat doesn't cover that anyway. Right. And she's like, you put the coat on him, you know? <laughs> And I'm like, well, you know, I'll do it just so you're not mad. But, like, you know, so I put it on him. But in reality, like, I don't think that's necessary. Like, I think that's just one of your things. You know, everyone's got their quirks. Like, I'm the same way. I I have... Right, but at some point, you have to just shut up and either do it or one of you has to. Right, right. Well, I told her, like, listen, if you think he needs the coat, you put him... I'm not telling you not to put the coat on him. So you put the coat on him when you let him out. I'm not going to put it on when I let him out because he doesn't need it when he's just going out for a second. Right. So, you know, we just got in a fight about that, basically. She she just thinks he looks cute in the coat, probably. Yeah, that's part of it. You know, <laughs> stupid fight, whatever. The other thing is I'm not as good at putting the coat on him. Yeah. So, like, I, I didn't get the Velcro tight enough or whatever, so he, like, slipped off him. He comes in with one arm hanging out of the thing. <laughs> so, you know, it's just... I could get better at it. But anyway, regardless. Liz is good at dressing it's just, people and dogs. It's just dumb shit that, it's that dumb shit. happens in relationships. Dumb shit. You know, that's just one of those things. Yeah. It's not serious. And you got to just learn to communicate it properly without getting yeah. angry at each other. So, you yeah. know, I just got angry. and I, I'm, I'm I'm unversed in how to deal with anything like yeah. that with a girl. Like yeah. I, you learn to just how yeah. to communicate without being angry. And, and, and you fail sometimes. But, like, so, yeah, I got angry. I yelled at her. Yeah. Which I shouldn't have done. Yeah. But I did. So, you know, that upset her more. And then we kind of, we're cool. Then we got over it. You know, when you're angry. We just need to get a good work life. That's what I'm trying to say. That's going to help you and your relationship. That's going to help me and my (laughs) non-relationship. We have a good work life. Yeah. Every day, you know, we feel satisfied at night. Like, oh, we did something good. And we hang out with our loved ones or 
mm-hmm. our, ourselves and we feel good. Yeah. Well, that's good for me. I mean, but I see the thing is, I do. I have been feeling good. Yeah. Good. She's got to be happy too. You yes. know. I mean, yes. she's trying yes. to find her way with what she's doing. Right. And she's got her artistic visions, which I stand behind, and yes. I, I want to see her complete things. But I also want to see her do other things that make some money. You know, I, I want her to be happy. Yeah, of course. But she's got to earn some money, too. So, you know, we're, we're both artists, and we're both trying to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. And and we can involve her in our thing to whatever extent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, absolutely. You know? But I don't want it to be like she has to be. You know, it, right. it's, it's an awkward thing. I, I, know, I know you struggle with it, too, trying to balance... Yeah. The fact that I'm in a relationship with her, we, her and I yeah. are in the band together. Yeah, you know, I think it's hard for all three of us in different ways, and we just have to figure out how to make it work. You know, because right. you guys have a history, and I know it's hard for you sometimes to deal with her. And you know, you guys have gotten better, but you don't you don't talk that much. I know you have love for each other, but yeah. I know that it's also difficult. You know, yeah, we we've been good lately. I think. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, up and down, obviously. Yeah, I mean, both both of you guys have a lot of love for each other. I just, yeah. I just know that, in some ways, you're similar. You know, I, I see it. Um, both emotional. Both very emotional. That's the short way of putting it. Yeah, you could take it from there. All the things that go along with that. Yeah. But anyway, one thing I've been thinking about lately, and this came from a drum lesson, but it, it applies to everything, in a lot of ways, is. Things that are just theoretical versus um, actual reality. Uh-huh. And I'll teach, for example, uh, how to bounce a drumstick. Right. You know, you saw me kind of teaching that to Doug a little bit. Yeah. And you can show someone all, all the ways that the fingers work and the way what actually happens when the stick bounces. You, you know, I, I really have over the years broken it down to like how it works uh-huh. what, to get a double stroke roll. And you can get somebody to do that pretty quick. No. No, oh, you can't. No. Okay. Because the theories behind it don't really... Maybe you're a bad teacher. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. And I mean, I'm not necessarily the best. But I'm a teacher that learns as I go for yeah. myself. So like, yeah. that's good, you know? I don't have... I'm not stuck in my way. So like, right. what, what I've learned You're recently... Fluid, very fluid. What I learned in, in my lesson recently mm-hmm. is that theoretical stuff is good, but I do too much talking sometimes in my lessons. At some point, you just have to play. Right. And if it kind of sucks, you just keep doing it. Right. Instead of, you know, I'll, I'll like, be like, no, that's not right. It's more like, you know, and it's like, well, how about we just do it for a while and, and then you just keep doing that and... I've explained the theory, so you kind of have an understanding, but just practice it. And that that applies to everything in life. Yeah, that does apply to everything. But it's not only the practicing. It's other theoretical stuff. Like, for example, today we were watching a band tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll watch bands a lot of times. I'll go out and I'll see bands play. And I have a, I have a critical mind. I have a editor's mind. Mm-hmm. I have the mind where I'm always thinking what could be different or what I would do different. Right. You know, I'll, I'll hear Me a band too. and I, yeah, and I'll think, well, that one thing is cool. Everything else, I would I would totally do differently, change this and that. And I, a lot of times, I'll hear a band and I'll envision what my ideal band would be, given kind of the instrumentation of that band or you know just within what, what you would have them doing on the instruments that they have yeah kind of within what I'm seeing up there like yeah. I'll kind of have this 
theoretical feeling in my head about what I want to hear. And it has to do a lot with these interesting repetitive rhythms underneath and like these things and a lot of space, like a lot of stopping. Mm-hmm. And that start, you know, like this weird space and like, but it's all theoretical. So unless I can actually actualize it, it doesn't matter really. You know, it's the same as, as the teaching the role. It's like, it's interesting to think about stuff, but you got to just do stuff. Just, just like we talked about at the beginning, just like with reaching quiet or, or with this interview, I didn't want to do it because I, I was waiting right. for the perfect time. And right. I wanted it to be. But once you've gotten into it, you're, you're very, you're doing it. You're doing good. Yeah, I'm talking a lot. You know, <laughs> yeah. I had some green tea. Yeah, I'm pepped up. That's great. But it's the same as all that stuff, though. It's like just doing it, even if it's not perfect or not what you, the perfect thing you envision. I think we both have trouble with that. It's just actually doing it. Yes, you know. Yes, we both. I get stifled by perfectionism, and yeah. I think you do too. I definitely do. And I think I think that the. I, I and I, and I know I've mentioned the time the time with Dave, you know, so mu- so many times since it's happened, but it felt epic to me because it was that I was so stifled, and you know that day that I came over here borrowing shit from you, and I was like, oh Dave, uh, Dave Cohn. Okay, I'm like thinking Dave Getty. Benson. Yeah, I was like going insane. This is the first day he got yeah, here. I remember where I knew we were supposed to work on songs every day, and I just yeah. I hadn't for a long <laughs> you were time. Flustered. I was so flustered. I didn't yeah. know. I was like, I don't know how to start this. I don't know where to go with yeah. this. We just took a bag around. Like, oh, okay, took a bag of take, shit. Take this and that brought and it to that. Brought it to my house. And like because he was there, and I felt like I knew he had like got a flight to come. That you know, like having having staying at my house. I was like, I gotta I gotta do this. I have to do this. And like I just started with something, yeah, and it worked. Like you know what I mean? Like little by little. Like it yeah. wasn't nothing was good at first, yeah. but like it's I just, a deadline thing. Exactly. I just kept working it's on like it. Like these and, tracks with Liz. Like yeah, these are the perfect sound because like I had nothing to give to these things. But now that I know they gotta be done, all of a sudden there's a right. couple of cool things that are coming up with right deadlines. And you, you and that's the thing about trusting yourself. Like once you get into something, you have to trust yourself that your taste will be there, you know? Mm-hmm. You, your your ear will be there, you know, your ability to see what's next. You only need to see one step ahead. It's right. not like right. necessarily like chess where you need to see a million things at once. Yeah. It it helps to be that way in in, in arrangement and stuff, but like, you know, really the way that I usually go about it is just one step at a time. And yeah. only see, only see, you know, I'm running a marathon and only see one yard in front of my face. You know what I'm saying? But, like, I'll get to the end. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar, definitely. But, you know, it's good to have other people yes. to bounce it off because, like, I can show you something I did and you'd be like, well, take out step three here and then right. listen to it. You know, like... Oh, right. Well, look, know. even... And, and with, 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 with Getty, like... Even having him, who's not, he's not like a, you know, he's not an instrumentalist and he's not a producer, but like, you know, having him there, even if we had like come up with, with how the song's going to go and what his lyrics are and, you know, that kind of thing, even, even just knowing that he was there, you know, and he could hear what I was doing helped me hear it, how he, how he might hear it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That kind of thing. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and helped me, help me push through when I was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those struggles are tough. And sometimes 
sometimes you need to just take time away from it, which is hard. That's the thing. I'm I am slow because you add one thing and then you got to kind of let that settle in so to move quickly. But what if you don't have you don't have you time? Have the time. To do that. Then then you get forced. That's that's when you're you have to do something. Yeah, that's just the adrenaline, and that's a part of the, the human personality that just kicks into high gear. It's yeah, like when you did Hami's basement, you, you just have to. But that's what I'm saying. This yeah. is what I'm saying to you is that we should always be in high gear. <laughs> not necessarily like that, but I know that I have it, and I know that you have it. Yeah, and it's a matter of trusting yourself and trusting each other. Yeah, to to. Like yes, we should always be in high gear, but not in stress. Right. But but in just like let's not fucking like linger and worry too much on each little thing. Let, let, yeah. like, let's just go. Let's just yeah. do it. It's, yeah, like, yeah. it's all good. Like yeah. I mean, we've gotten better even just today. I, I feel like today was, was yeah. the, the best best we've done with these gold tickets yeah. that we're doing. Which I didn't explain that to the listeners, but whatever. Some light shit that we're doing for yeah. fun, but like. It's cool shit. Yeah, but I thought today was the loosest we were. We kind of like trying different things and like, oh, let's try that. Oh, that sounds good. Let's do yeah. that. Let's do that. You know, so that's cool. I think we're getting in a little bit of flow anyway. Not nothing crazy, but you know, these songs don't really move me the same way that I think right. some stuff we're going to get into hopefully will. A lot of it's just lyrically, right? You know, that's, it's all. It's really all about lyrics. Actually, yeah. I mean, in my mind, your your real lyrics are. Can be very moving, and in the past have, have yeah. really moved me, you know, to kind of inspire me to whatever. So these are the silly lyrics. These are silly, but you know, you know it's it's an exercise, and it's fun, and it's craft, and it's you know, yeah, yeah. Can't you know? It's easy for me to do stuff like this. It's very hard to do the heavy emotional stuff because sure. it drains me. Yeah, and not know? that all the lyrics have to be heavy emotional stuff. I mean, sometimes it's too much like that. I, yeah. I think. It's not just the lyrics. It's just a feeling. Yeah. Yeah, know. I know. I mean... Woo-wee! What, what else do we... Anything else we want to talk about? I mean... Not really. I, I feel pretty good about that. That was a good talk. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's always more, but I'm not trying You're to... You're always welcome on, on the podcast. Man. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can you know, since I'm here and I'm not, I'm not out um, interviewing famous people in L.A., Mm-hmm. Uh, or New York, not to say that I won't. I, mean, I might take a trip to LA at some point to get some sun, but yeah, um, I'll keep saying that until it doesn't happen, and then it's spring here. Yeah, uh, but yeah. you'll be in LA at some point. But while I'm here, you know, you might as well tag along to different. I'd love to be different to be on some of your other interviews. There's yeah. plenty of people in town. We'll do some. I actually was inspired by your podcast to do a little something that I was thinking about doing, and we'll see if I do. But I've been doing these uh, sessions, you know, and yeah. I, I hear just like jazz and other stuff, just jamming sessions. And I was thinking about doing like a, you know, learn how to just do a quick mix and just having a blog, basically. Uh-huh. I just throw sessions up. Because I was listening to some of the ones I did with some of the jazz guys that came over and they sounded cool. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's not what you played off of that Josh Josh Moore. That one was cool. Matt Melton session was real nice. Yeah, those those one songs were neat. So I don't know. I thought I was listening to him the other day, and I just thought, oh, you know, what am I saving these here for? If I could just have a blog and put them up, and people could listen and be kind of a way that I could even get other people in, like, hey, check it. This is the sessions I've had. These are right. the people, and then get more people. You know, just like you do with the podcast, right. you kind of get. 
you build a, a repertoire of of, uh, of ones that you have. And, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's just, bands coming over when they stop through town. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't want it to be something that's going to take a lot of my time. That's yeah. why I say learn how to do a quick mix on stuff. Yeah, because that's the biggest time consuming thing is mixing I mean right. other than that actually putting it up on the internet is, is you know nothing mm-hmm. we have fast internet here but I want to learn how to do quick mixes anyway I, I it's it's that's like the next thing I really need to watch learn. me on some shit I mean, yeah I, I'm, I'm, I can be pretty quick well we'll sit with these golden tickets yeah. I, I want to actually do some of the mixing you can kind of guide me because yeah. watching is good but sometimes you gotta actually get your hands in there yeah do it so all right, well let's let's close up shop. Let's close up shop. It's I think been it's good. Josiah Wolf from his studio in his basement, Northside, Cincinnati, Ohio. Hasta luego. Signing off. Gotta love that guy. Just wisdom seeping through the pores of his. De-elasticized aging skin. He's a great guy. He's my brother. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. The Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. Let me know and give some money on PayPal. I don't mean to keep fucking reaming that into your ear, but I have to give a little weekly something, you know, a dollar every week. You know, I, I, I want to keep doing the thing. I really do. If I got to go get a damn cashier's job at Whole Foods, I'll do it. But I can't keep doing that and this and music. At, you know, it's too much. So just a little something. If everybody gives a little something, we're good. Enough about that. Okay, it, it, it's always my pleasure talking to you. Tell a friend about the podcast if you like it. And uh, I'm recording the podcasts every week as i bring them to you every week so we're up like you i'm current with you you're with me right now unless you're listening in the future either way it's my pleasure to speak to you that's about it for uh i'll see you next week and uh, keep wandering Like that.